Nelson. This is 372 pages we'll never get back. This is the podcast where Connor Lestoka and I, who is here with me now, uh, go through uh, bad books and, and talk about them. Um, we think they're going to be bad, and I don't think we've been disappointed. Is that right, Connor? Yeah, we, I don't think we've ever read one of these books that we were like, no, this this should be on you know, high school reading lists. Like this would be the, the Pulitzer Committee really, really blew it this year. Right. I mean, we get, you know, when we do our riff tracks, uh, many times we'll get people going, why are you doing that movie? That movie's so good. Right. But we haven't really had that phenomenon. Yeah. Yet. I mean, I, you know, I guess Ready Player One was probably the only one of people, uh, people, people loving it or, or thinking that we were, you know, crapping on their, their favorite book as they, you know, worked on their DeLorean out in the garage to avoid their family or something. But that was an right. outlier, I would say. Right. And this book, I don't think we're going to find many defenders of this. This is Dan Brown's Digital Fortress. <laughs> yes. We're not going to, we're not going to submit the, uh, to the, uh, Great American Book Awards, the, the sentence where, uh, the guy is smearing honey on the woman in the, uh, NSA's like lunchroom or something. I don't think that was. <laughs> necessarily going to qualify right so um i we have all the departments for this episode we got a, a lot to talk about a lot being a lot of chapters i don't a know lot of chapters. a lot we, of we of, don't we don't have any we we didn't get enough fanfic to make this happen this time around very disappointed People it was dr- going to be my turn to test I know. you it, it was very frustrating and yeah i guess we could have just uh you know done the all real ones again but that seemed to promote promote uh Disappointed yes. reaction amongst some certain parties. So I we there were certain it people who weren't yeah weren't as thrilled with that yeah <laughs> because I, they were really on a run of of hitting about fifty three percent correct <laughs> and then suddenly suddenly that came along as an outlier right that was like when uh, when Mario Mendoza went zero uh, for five in a game to drop his own batting average below the Mendoza line and he thought it was <laughs> he was frustrated by that. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we um, you know there are themes that arise obviously in every author's works, oh. and uh, the themes in this one are they're they're a little tiring at this point. The length oh of the God. book is is not uh, it's not the structure does not hold. I would say I saw I thought the same thing. You know the 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 first you know sixty percent or whatever it was like all right people are eating weird things and they're like crapping on Spain this is great and now it's just trying to actually build some tension and it is so ponderous it's you know yeah. Casey Kasem dying dog level ponderous you know Jabba <laughs> can only lift so much of the weight here people I, exactly. I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean we'll 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 dive into that exactly why it sort of uh, gets gets ponderous I have my own theories I guess but then there's 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 plenty of dumb stuff here that is still uh still building and still surprising um the characters still prove to be uh, the dumbest geniuses that the world's ever seen and uh we do get some you know uh, our characters encounter some physical pain which is always good when you don't like the characters yeah there's there's stuff to mine here but it you know it's uh, tossing pages over your shoulder you know it's like looking through a stack of something and so we'll we'll proceed past those things that uh, don't interest us obviously and yeah. just kind of Dan, shovel through it. Dan Brown has a good as a good metaphor for for uh, searching for something that comes up pretty early. So uh, we'll keep that in mind. Searching ah. for yeah, it comes up in the second chapter we review. So <laughs> right. might as well get started so we can discuss that. Uh, as I pointed out to you, Connor, off air, I made the mistake, just a habit of printing um, my notes uh, and putting a page break after the chapter notes because <laughs> normally that's three or three Sensible, or four pages yeah. of notes and. 
This time I heard my printer going and went, oh, I realized my mistake. As it churned out page after empty page. Your printer went out with an axe to chop down another tree. Yes. It's... So we're doing 61 through 80. So let's uh, dive in. Yeah. The first uh, the first thing we have is the first of many instances in this uh, section of, we talked about it on an earlier episode, of the uh, the... the Alarm goes off and the guy says, it's probably just a bird, ignore it. Um, and that happens a lot with Midge, who has been described as having her instincts always be correct and has her finger on the pulse of everything and should be trusted in any situation. And she uh, essentially just starts at a 13 level of alarmed and everyone continues to ignore her as she keeps ratcheting it up. It's amazing. She's, <laughs> I, I don't know what purpose she's supposed to serve, but every single person she encounters is like, shut up, Midge. Shut up. We got it under control. <laughs> right. Yeah. So she's saying that like the power is out or something, and she's, she's talking to Jabba. Her voice was tense. Jabba replies, you're seeing things. It's pitch black, she yelled. Jabba, and then we get these descriptions. Jabba sighed. Jabba rolled his eyes. And then it was official, Jabba thought. Midge was in one of her moods. <laughs> <laughs> this is the woman who's been constantly described as being canny and someone to, uh, boy, if she's got a hunch. Yeah, the rock of the NSA. Uh, she knows more about it. She's been in and out of it. She may be a little saucy, but she's got her finger on the pulse. And like, Shut up, Midge. Go to hell. What are you doing? <laughs> a weird turnabout. Uh, before we got to that, though, we get this description of, of Jabba, who is a huge tadpole of a man. Yes. <laughs> there was a pen light in his mouth, a soldering iron in his hand, and a large schematic blueprint propped on his belly. <laughs> so, I mean, as a tadpole, he's pretty much all belly, right? So, yeah, right. I mean, they're, they're, which part of him could he prop anything on that wasn't well, probably enveloped a, in the whole belly thing he probably has a calzone on like the bottom right quadrant of the belly and then his uh dr pepper uh two liter is on like the top right the the, the blueprints on the top left and then you know i don't know there's a, a a bag of doritos that if he sort of like shakes a roll of his belly it kind of puts a few <laughs> doritos into his mouth you know kind of he's perfected some method of doing that and he's you know how, however he's smart and genius and we're supposed to take him seriously he's also yeah. He's also soldering, right? Yeah. This, co this comes back to bite him, and he's 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 soldering on his back with the soldering iron up over his up, up above him. Yes. So yeah. later on, I guess is when that actually drips on him. But he's uh, he's he's defying all logic as as to how you would operate with uh, molten metal by um, you know placing it above you, and when it drips off onto you, being very surprised. Also, soldering? I mean, <laughs> aren't we sort of replacing circuit boards and things? I, I just don't see, I don't know. I, it, it seems like an old-fashioned thing wedged in there, you know? Sure, yeah. And like... The, uh, yeah, I need know. more dilithium crystal kind of stuff, <laughs> sure. you know? Um, but uh, so then you get Midge, and it's it's just funny, like, you know, he, he obviously put Jabba in there because his, you know tween son or something probably said that was like a funny name for a gross slob of an it guy but when you're trying to actually have the serious moments of the book it, it's very mm -hmm. funny that that midge is you know do is saying sentences like this midge's response was icy jabba 
I have a job to do. I don't expect to be yelled at for doing it. When I call to ask why a multi-billion dollar facility is in the dark, I expect a professional response. So it's like, it's just when, when you're imagining if that took place in real life, uh, someone's very concerned about national security uh, to have to address a guy named Jabba is hilarious. Here, let me, I'll, I'll redo it with a slight uh, change to it. Okay. Midge's response was icy. Stinky the hut, I have a job to do. <laughs> Slight improvement? Sure. I'll have, an, right. I have another one. Yeah, okay. Jabba, put down the calzone. A, a plane has just hit the first tower and we need you to... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's what they're implying is that uh, this level of... Uh, secu- <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Um, and so that's just a chapter. Midge, Midge yells at Jabba because yes. he won't... Uh, he won't respond to her uh, freaking out. So that's yeah. chapter 61. So then we move into uh, 62, and we have Susan is is talking to Strathmore here, right, in his office? Yeah, this I think they stay in his office for uh, 300 chapters or My so. My God. Well, they, she leaves and goes back to his office. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh, this is the, uh, the office that has the traditional sparklets, water cooler and such. But... Um, Right. (laughs) (laughs) This has uh, the the first thing uh, I noted that she's essentially saying, like, you know, Susan wants to call for help. She wants to leave. But he says, we've got Phil Chartruki and dead down there. Strathmore argued if we call for if we call for help, crypto will turn into a circus. So there'll be bears on bikes. There'll be, you know, clowns with pies (laughs) in the faces and such. Guys being shot out of cannons, wearing white capes. (laughs) The whole deal. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so he, he resists the whole time. And this is going to be a, a common theme throughout this of her saying, we need to do this or I am leaving or uh, here's an ultimatum. And him saying, you know, essentially the, the Ben Gazzara, like, relax, like, you know, we can't do any of those things. And she would, for whatever reason, keeps accepting that. I think that that's that's a theme with a lot of characters is some person trying to compel another character to care about something and them not caring about it. Mm-hmm. And then the only twist being that later they'll say, but that's because he knew that, right. that you know, and that it just keeps repeating itself uh, it's over just, and over again. Yeah, it is just not the way any of these people would behave. You know, uh, you've ne- if you ever saw someone murdered, I just imagine, you know, you would shift into an entirely new gear, you know, like, especially with the murderer still being in the same building as you, like you, any of these like polite uh, deferrals to like, you really need to listen to me now. You'd be like, I'm getting the hell out of here immediately. Right. Like, you're not going to be sig- trying to signal people with your eyes. Like, <laughs> murder, he murdered. Uh, Dan Brown uh, tries some writing here. Yep. He, there's a couple of these. Locating a random pass key on one of the Node 3 hard drives was somewhat like trying to find a single sock in a bedroom the size of Texas. <laughs> That's what I was referring to earlier. I mean, I, thanks for not using the cliche, I guess, but... Uh, but it just stands out even more when you've just like <laughs> tried to make up your own version of Needle in a Haystack. Because I, yes. I stopped for like five minutes to think about it. I was like, all right, so is this like a bedroom where things are enormous? Like where there's, you know, the, the bed would be the size of, you know, Austin? Or is it is it a normal, you know, queen-sized bed? And like the desk, and you know the the dresser, are they just like spread out throughout Texas, like all of them? Like it, it just it, it was very puzzling. Oh right, like is the the dresser is 
580 miles away from the bed. Yeah, so when you get up to, you know, put on a shirt in the morning, you've got to trek across, uh, you know, to Galveston or whatever. Yeah, I didn't put quite as much thought into it, but uh, <laughs> it's very stupid. Well, yeah, just, you know, you don't even have to make it a bedroom. Just like there was a, finding a single sock that had been dropped somewhere in Texas. Right. Because like, this applies that, you know, Texas is devoid of all other, you know, bedrooms and habitations. Like, yeah, because you'd be able to find a sock in Texas pretty easily. Like, you'd be able to walk into TJ Maxx or something. Right, right. Again, <laughs> you put way more thought into it. If, it's like, you know, so if Big Bend <laughs> National Park was the entire state. And, uh, <laughs> all right. All right, all right. Um, wow, okay. So th- that <laughs> aside. Um, oh, so, so they go outside for a minute? Um, or the, no, the dome across. The, yeah, the dome. Yeah, there's, yeah there, there, you can see like, this, you know, they're in what, northern Virginia or D.C. or something. And uh, but like they're able to see like uh, pretty much a planetarium-esque sky. Right. So she says above them, he says, a star filled sky had stretched itself across the dome. Susan wondered if David could see the same <laughs> stars from Seville. <laughs> she she did. <laughs> The the 170 IQ? Yeah, exactly. I I wrote, glad she's focused. (laughs) I mean, she has to know he's got a different view of the sky, right? (laughs) Are we... I mean, right, and that it's you know a different time. So even you know it's it's the same hemisphere. So it's not like he's you know looking at the Southern Cross or anything. Right, but it, right. it would be you know a morning, uh, probably where you know advanced a bit. But that's such like a you know that's such a uh, you know college romance when someone goes abroad, being like I'm just going to be looking up at the same stars every night and thinking of you type of thing. Like just like Ugh, come on. Yeah, I guess he just has to. Um... It's his way of reminding, like when David is, you know, running through the streets trying to catch a bus or whatever and going, I wonder if Susan went on vacation. Or yes, exactly. No, we, we know that that's constantly in your mind. You don't need to remind us of that. <laughs> uh, you, you are not wondering that right now. Right, you are yes. most certainly not. But also, like, you know, I grew up here. Like the, the idea that you just like, that the lights go off in one building and all of a sudden it's like being in a... You know, Big Bend State Park in the middle of Texas that uh, you can see, you know, right. you know, distant stars all of a sudden is preposterous. Right. You can maybe see uh, the lights of, uh, you know, Tyson's on the horizon or something. Right. Here's a, uh, a good view of Strathmore. She turned to Strathmore in the crack of the door. His face looked pallid and sickly in the blue light. His... <laughs> Fleshy, sweaty, meaty face. <laughs> right. And that's a sentence before that is, the bluish shadows gave the place a ghostly ambience. So, yeah, we get it. Things are blue. You don't look good when blue light is shining on you. Like, come on. He should have followed it up with, uh, you know, in contrast to Susan, where the blue light, like, reflected off of the negligee that just peeked <laughs> from below her, her thin blouse. A lacy strap, yes. In the coldness, uh, there was a... Uh, you could see the outline of the nipples of her, you know. <laughs> right. Well, Strathmore stalked outside the door. It was no wonder his wife was leaving him. <laughs> I mean, that continues, too. Like, I mean, throughout this, like, we just have more, like, gross guys. And, uh, you know, the, the, the women continue to be, you know, even if uh, even if they're, like, uh, crying and, like, underage in a public bathroom, they're still, like, you know, put together to an amazing degree. Right. 
<laughs> yep, the women are flouncing about. The men are, you know, sweaty hulks, just <laughs> gross, growling at each other. Um, well, that's all I have for that. Uh, yeah, it was a long chapter with uh, yielding very little. Right. Uh, chapter 63 goes back to David Becker in uh, Seville, and he is... Uh, on his newly purchased Vespa motorcycle, which is struggling up the entry route to the airport, his knuckles had been white the whole way. His watch read just after 2 a.m. local time. So we've all been to the airport. I, I just have trouble imagining the world in which this man doesn't realize that he's already failed at his mission. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but he does what he does well, which is to uh, go into subterfuge with a... Uh, with the not a flight attendant, a, a desk clerk. Yes, and we get uh, we get this. This is a stern uh, settle down to Mister <laughs> Brown here. Uh, he's saying to her, "She's a young girl, maybe fifteen or sixteen. Her hair was before the words left his mouth." Becker realized his mistake. The agent's eyes narrowed. Your lover is fifteen years old. <laughs> that is a firm settle down, Mister <laughs> Brown. Watch yourself, counselor. <laughs> That was the same. Uh, that was the same way that uh, Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, got on the plane. Though he told them that uh, they they didn't want to let him on, but he said, "No, no, I'm sorry. It was a friend of mine." And they said, "Oh, a lover's quarrel," and waved him through security. Right. Said, uh, "Oh, it's if it's a lover, and you're asking, and you have the ring on you, get on the back of this ride." And, right. You know, yes. Hong Kong. Who am I to stand I'm, in the way of true love? I'm getting you there on time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, they introduced, I mean, it's sort of, that's like, it it happens later too with the 15-year-old girl, but you have these sort of like uh, Austin Powers-y uh, misunderstanding, quote under quotes, like for, for, for like comedic sense of like, um, you know, yeah, him thinking that he turns into a perv in this woman's eyes very quickly. Yes. So uh, he fails at that, and that chapter just ends. I don't have, oh, I, it's a good chapter end though. Oh, yeah, it is a great chapter. And before the chapter end, he does approach the custodian who is buffing the floors. Um, and he says, like, I'm looking for uh, una niña, uh, pelo, red, white, and blue hair. The custodian laughed. Que fea, sounds ugly. He shook his head and went back to work. So, like, we have, like, the biggest <laughs> dick in the universe. Because, like, why would you be looking for someone that you were, like, going to accept that as an answer? It's clearly a relative or, a, a, again, a, a girlfriend or something. But... <laughs> Nobody looks for an ugly person. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so... It has the most uh, dramatic chapter ending yet. This is one of his best. Uh, final, final sentence of the chapter. First, he needed to make a long overdue trip to a restroom. <laughs> Turn that page. Oh, yeah, exactly. Is he going to make it to the restroom? Yeah. I can't wait to see. I have one to go back to two. the dome. One or two. One or two. Oh, and so then on to chapter 64, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think my first note was that she's gone back to node three. Yes. Uh, Do you have okay. a good understanding of the physical layout of the place? I don't, I'm uh, afraid. No, no, because like, you know, they have the, the, the gateway to hell, which is the, the hole in the middle of the room that drops down to translator. We have node three, which is... I think just, you know, a, a regular office, you know, sort of like the conference room, essentially. And then we have a mm -hmm. big staircase that goes up to Strathmore's office, which we get some very fun details about later. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's like a, you know, it's like an adventure game where these are the only three locations you need to go to. And whatever else may exist in this building like is not just, it's not addressed. 
So is, is Node 3 where Hale's desk and her desk were? Yeah, yeah. That's where he uh, ate the tofu right out of the fridge. Okay. So it's it's the one that's like sealed up and you can see it. Uh, Chartruckian was pressing his greasy, sweaty face against <laughs> yes, the glass. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. And just where she was like digging her like Ferragamo heels into the carpet and like tying a cherry stem with her mouth. And- <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, the first note that I have, on this one is uh, Hale's smell. Uh-huh. Uh, she wondered if maybe the deionizer was malfunctioning. The smell was vaguely familiar, and with it came an unsettling chill. She pictured Hale locked below in his enormous steaming cell. Did he set something on fire? <laughs> All right, so deionizer malfunctioning. Uh, did he set something on fire? Familiar smell. She looked up at the vents and sniffed, but the odor seemed to be coming from nearby. Susan glanced toward the lattice doors of the kitchenette, and in an instant she recognized the smell. It was cologne and sweat. <laughs> Good God. So, wh- what? She thinks that something's on fire? An electrical fire? Like one of the worst smells in the universe is what he's chosen to wear? Deionizer malfunctioning? Maybe that's the name of the cologne. Yeah. Malfunctioning deionizer. <laughs> But also, you know, they so again, she is she is uh you know noticing things at her 170 IQ substantially slower than we the reader who we obviously we hung a flag on this one when they first mentioned his cologne because we were like, well that will come back obviously. Like yeah. um so like uh she she noticed it but then forgot what it smelled like, I guess. Yeah. I, it just <laughs> again, what is happening with her her sense of have you, I mean, when you smell something on fire, or you do you get those mixed up? Right. Yes. I don't know. The ionizers, fire, cologne. Yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't know. Pretty how to... clear understanding of each one. Right, because cologne, I wouldn't know how to describe it. You know, you would just be like, "Oh, that is some strong cologne someone is wearing, like on this plane. This is not good." Um, but in in no universe would that be, you know, confused with uh, malfunctioning electronics. Flight attendant, I believe the plane is on fire. <laughs> the guy sitting the aisle over from you is like offended. Please, that's obviously my cologne. Right. It's just mixing with my, you know, gold chains and aviator sunglasses as I'm flying to Vegas to, uh, yes. you know, gamble $100,000 on Baccarat. Uh, so Have you ever been a cologne guy? Uh, I mean, I think back in the 80s, I probably bought one of those, you know, when everyone was wearing horrible colognes yeah i don't know but i think i quickly learned that that uh pretty much every woman i encountered would say like what is that like there was no <laughs> it was not pleasant right. so I, I quickly abandoned it is something on fire what are you doing i mean the first time that you could shave and use an aftershave did you well like, so, take, okay. take a big handful of it and splash brute all over your so face? i was not like, uh, I, I was not a cologne guy but like one time you know i think uh, you know, my sister needed to give me something for Christmas as, you know, a seven-year-old or something. So my dad clearly bought her, you know, uh, English leather from the uh, oh, nice. drugstore. Drug and, and I, all I had seen was Home Alone. So I thought it was aftershave. So I like shook it out of my stocking and like put it on my face like that. And my dad was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I've never used aftershave. So I don't know. Uh, I, I use a good Bay Rum. So that, but that, that is pretty, pretty faint and fades almost immediately. 
I'm not a hail. I'm just, I'm pleading to the listener. Do not picture me as a hail, please. <laughs> um, well, hail is hiding behind, in, inside the closet, I think. He's peeking through, like, the slat door of the closets. She sees his, you know, eyes like you would see a, you know, a, a mountain lion that was about to kill you in the in the forest. But uh, we get this uh, nice tidbit. Susan had once heard that raw terror was paralyzing. She now knew that was a myth. So I was just wondering, like, where she might have heard that. <laughs> like, like, I think standing around the sparklet with the other guys, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, but she never, she never looked into it as with her IQ. She just accepted this this hearsay. And uh, believe it or not, uh, that that is, um, she knew it was a myth. Just keep that in mind. She heard raw terror was paralyzing, and now she knows it was a myth. Um, Hale bursts out of there and sort of tackles her, mm-hmm. and we get some very grim um, sort of. So it goes nowhere. We get, but we get some some sort of shock value stuff put in here, where he sort of starts groping her and ripping her clothes off. Mm-hmm. We get his hands were around her again. One of them clamped firmly on her left breast. The other was on her midsection. And then he like knocks her down. Susan was suddenly on her back. Her skirt bunched high on her hips. The top button of her blouse had released, and her chest was heaving in the bluish light. She stared up in terror as Tail straddled her, pinning her down. She couldn't decipher the look in his eyes. It looked like fear, or was it anger? His eyes bore into her body. She felt a new wave of panic. And so her panic, again, is something that has sort of, you know, been at a, at a you know, 11 and keeps escalating uh, the entire time. She keeps panicking. She keeps feeling chills go down her spine um, throughout the duration of this section. Um, but... Uh, then we get this new information. She tried to fight, but her body did not respond. <laughs> she was numb. <laughs> exactly. So, so myth or not. Is it a myth? <laughs> that... Seems we have a new data point here. <laughs> I'd heard this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is a, I think a page and a half from when he called it a myth the first time. And so, I mean, that's happened in other episodes where he's said something and, uh, you know, contradicted it almost immediately. And a good chapter ending here, too. Uh, italicized her thinking. I don't know why she can't say this, but she thinks it. Oh, please, God, no. So that's, <laughs> that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> what I, is, I don't like what, that technique. That he, I hate that. Yeah, especially because it's all fraud, you know? Like you, so you, he's setting it up as he's about to, you know, sexually assault her, and, you know, which is you know, completely unwarranted from the scope of, you know, your beach read here. And, uh, of course, it's not happening. It's just, like, uh, we're left puzzling whether, like, Hale is a good guy or not at the end of this chapter. I mean, at the end of this section. So um, he, he starts buttoning up her shirt later. So w- whatever he's doing is, like, uh, just completely, uh, you know, stolen valor from a drama standpoint. Oh, exactly, yes. Getting you to turn the page, Connor. I guess so. Uh, chapter um, 65. Yep. This is back to um, Midge and Brinkerhoff. Oh, Midge. Oh, by <laughs> the way, uh, uh, our own uh, Bob Fingerman uh, drew that uh, ni- nice Midge. Did, he did, did we, yeah. Did we post that on Patreon? No, I'll post it uh, when we post the episode. I'll post it in the in the, in the Patreon description and the on Twitter and such. But yeah, it was a very good representation, I thought. Yep, we called her. We called him out to do it on our last episode, and he heard the call. The signal, <laughs> the horn was sounded, and he uh, and Gondor answered. And so we have a midge drawing now. It's great. That's yeah. It's sometimes you know. I just I hope that you know 
Bob's, uh, I think he's, he's mentioned he has a girlfriend. I hope, you know, she comes in and like, you know, you want to go, uh, you know, grab a you know, drink on the patio or something? I am drawing Midge, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we all have the, we all suffer from that uh, <laughs> many times. Yes. I am trying to think of a line when the hobgoblin, uh, you know, drinks a beer. Please leave me be. Uh, well, we talked earlier about uh, Midge. Trying to convince people of things and people saying she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an instance I want to hear more about this. Brinkerhoff rolled his eyes. So Jabba called him and said, if Midge tells you anything, here's what I do. I roll my eyes at her. <laughs> Midge had gone nuts in the past, but never like this. He tried to <laughs> calm her. Jabba doesn't seem to be too worried. Jabba's a fool, she hissed. <laughs> I want more of Midge going nuts. Yeah, it is. What uh... was happening in the past? What was she doing? Uh, lead buried i don't know no kidding midge goes nuts the book i'd read that in a heartbeat <laughs> uh gambling addiction maybe or like she she brought a pogo stick into the office and it was like bouncing around on it i you know stripping all her clothes off and running through the office screaming or singing songs from uh, the sound of music at the top of her voice i don't <laughs> but people just roll their eyes at her because she's done this so much in the past. <laughs> and yet her hunches are razor sharp. Right, yes, exactly. Again, oh. very schizophrenic character description. I like this part when uh he's she's like she's explaining to him like just some techie garbage about bypass switches and stuff, but uh Brinkerhoff's response to all this as she's like, you know, sort of like hysterically yelling at him. Uh wait a minute. Brinkerhoff flashed her the timeout sign. <laughs> Strathmore oh said everything's God. fine. So he, uh, in the middle of this national crisis and mid going nuts, he just becomes a uh, 45-year-old Zach Morris for a minute. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I hadn't thought about that in forever. But, uh, you know, he's Zach Morris and a uh, elementary school gym teacher, I think, are the only people that were ever doing that one. Right. <laughs> he might as well put the uh, L on his forehead or something. <laughs> um, but... Uh, speaking of descriptions, here we go. Nobody had ever called Jabba a fool. A pig, maybe, <laughs> but never a fool. <laughs> uh, a common theme in our books of describing people as pigs. Yeah, Jabba and the uh, sacred princess Alora Dannon. Yes. Wow. So, you know, Jabba from th- three uh, buildings over is like, hey. Right. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. I'm living my life. I'm dusting um, off a calzone. Right. So pigs combined with a tadpole. We need like a, one of those uh, Conan, if they mated type of uh, things. Right. Like what would that look like? Or like that sounds like a weird, uh, you know, chimera like type of creature. Like the, the sphinx, the, the pig pig's face with a tadpole's body maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so yeah, so they're calling, they're not calling him a fool, but they call him a pig. And then he says, you're trusting feminine intuition over Jabba's advanced degrees in anti-invasive programming, which <laughs> I will, I will spoil. That is, that was submitted as a dumb sentence because it is incredibly dumb, <laughs> insulting. It's the, it's everything. Oh, wow. I did not write that one down. That one went right past me. So yeah, he, but that's another, uh, he's just, he's dismissing Midge's what, like, Three three decades of service, I think, to the NSA and the tendency to always be right as feminine intuition. <laughs> right. Uh, so she kind of, she blackmails, um, what's his name? Brinkerhoff. Brinkerhoff. Uh, but here's Midge getting very midgy. 
If Strathmore bypassed, we call security. If I'm wrong, I'll leave and you can go smear marmalade all over Carmen Huerta. <laughs> she gave him a malicious glare and held out her hands for the keys. I'm waiting. <laughs> so full midge there. Yeah, really. Yeah, I don't know so if this midge. is her going crazy or this is which aspect of her personality. Oh, one yeah. Of I mean, slightly nuts, I guess. But like, right. listen, this this is amazing. The the this is the I think the first time this has ever happened. Uh, this is an emergency. She says, "I need to see that list." Brinkerhoff put his hands on her shoulders. Midge, please settle down. <laughs> <laughs> the, for the first time a book has ever issued itself. The the firm settled down. <laughs> wow, even grasping the shoulders. Yeah. Wow, not even just the flat uh, thousand-yard stare and then a pause and then a settle down. <laughs> it's serious here. So that was delightful. But uh, yeah, the uh, the marmalade was not just her sort of being colorful, as we as we learn at when he, he sort of witnesses the actual blackmail she has all queued up for him. Yep, she puts it all over the monitors, and we get... Um, I don't know if you can top... Uh, you know, Becker having to go to the bathroom at the airport. <laughs> but I think this does top it. Wow. All right. Do you, do you have it? Yeah. I have it right here. Brinkerhoff flushed. He turned back to the monitors. He tried to block out the images overhead, but it was no use. He was everywhere, groaning with pleasure and eagerly fondling Carmen Huerta's small, honey-covered breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Brinkerhoff grasped his own shoulders and said, settle down. <laughs> So they've really, I mean, they've done Carmen a great service of, of really uh, developing her character as a rich, uh, you know, full full person here. And and come on, in the office, <laughs> really? At yeah. the NSA? Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. Sneaking off in the first place, but then being like, I mean, you know, you've, uh, you've put honey and tea and like accidentally touched the sort of top of like the squeeze bottle or something and be like, oh God, like... I'm, this is. I'm gonna have to like scrub my hands for like 45 seconds to get this off here. And you know, Carmen is evidently like buttoning up her, uh, I presumably sheer sexy blouse and just going back to work. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, <laughs> obviously, a, a 20 minute shower is is, is in order here <laughs> at the NSA. Uh, yeah. So even if no one saw what happened, even were there not cameras there, you know, right. Uh, yeah, we we noticed that your hands are covered in honey and yeah, Carmen where to <laughs> Yeah. There's a bunch of uh yeah, like bees chased her out of the office. She's uh <laughs> she's like running around like Nicolas Cage. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish we knew more about her and I wish we knew more about Midge going crazy <laughs> in the past. So, chapter 66. Chapter 66. Yeah, we get a a good look at a uh, Spanish airport bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is his beef with Spain? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, you know, one generation had sort of like Hemingway's vision of Spain, like the bullfights and, uh, you know, the, that sort of um, yeah, romanticized rom romantic, image. Romantic, yeah. We get uh, this passage to really sort of, we none of us can travel right now, but, you know, we can be transported to... Uh, Exotic locales through the magic of writing. The restroom was typical Spanish institutional. Perfectly square, white tile, one incandescent bulb overhead. As usual, there was one stall and one urinal. This is the women's room. Whether the urinals were ever used in the women's bathrooms were immaterial. Adding them saved the contractors the expense of having to build the extra stall. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you could be transported to a bullfight or like the Plaza Mayor in Madrid, but... Uh, um, 
this is this is where I choose to go. I close my eyes and just let Dan Brown transport me. Yeah, I can hear. Um, oh, what is the famous? Uh, I can't think of the name of the symphony or the guitar symphony. Da 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 Segovia is that a Spanish guitar player? Andres Segovia, yes, but I can't. I just can't think of the name of the thing. But someone correct me. Here, I'm supposed to be the expert. I, I can't pull it. So let that Any, uh, let that guitar riff continue to play as we as I read this one. Yes, give, give, give me a little bit of it, and I'll I'll, I'll read da, it. Da, da, Becker peered into the restroom in disgust. It was filthy. The sink was clogged with murky brown water. Dirty paper towels were strewn everywhere. The floor was soaked. The old electric hand blower on the wall was smeared with greenish fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I just wrote, my God, we get it. You had one bad semester in Seville. Let it go. <laughs> Did you get food poisoning somewhere? Like... Uh, greenish fingerprints? Uh, you know, they, are they growing mold? Have they been there that long? Like, I mean, an airport bathroom is never a pleasant place, but like, you had a janitor outside buffing the floors, so clearly it's getting some attention. I, I guess he's just throwing up his hands and going, I'm the floor buffer guy, not my job. Right, exactly. Check yeah. out the floors, fine. I mean, uh, but sir, there are paper towels strewn everywhere. Like, I work <laughs> around them. It's not my job to pick them up. <laughs> Around the towels, it's very clean. <laughs> uh, and then we get this description of, I, I need help here from our from our listeners or you. She was a young sophisticate, right off the pages of Seventeen magazine. <laughs> she wore conservative plaid pants and a white sleeveless blouse. In her hand was a red L.L. Bean duffel. Her blonde hair was perfectly blow-dried. I don't read Seventeen magazine. <laughs> what uh, well, type of person is he getting at here? This sophisticate, <laughs> sophisticate, stood out to me. <laughs> because okay, so all in a... darling, I'm seventeen <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 1997, 1998 was probably you know the the only time and the most I ever read Seventeen magazine because I worked uh, in the summers as a lifeguard at the neighborhood pool. And uh, the girls' lifeguards would bring in seventeen magazines and leave them strewn around. So I was wow. reading, you know, the what, dating what, what horror story. Uh, I mean, but it was it was this was pre. I don't even know who would have been in them at this point in time. Like this was sort of pre Britney era when I was reading them. Uh, it would have been probably like, um, you know, the girls from Full House or something. I honestly, but like it is sophisticated <laughs> stood uh, stood off right away as being a uh, wildly inaccurate description of whatever you would see you know it's like blossom i'm trying to think if i've ever met a sophisticated 17 year old I, I probably have I've, I've met people with poise and stuff but i wouldn't call them like sophisticated <laughs> yeah it, it always seems like a, a weird put on where it's like what happens you went straight from 12 to 42 like <laughs> yeah. um so uh, so he's talking with her, and uh, we get this uh, another attempt at, what was the last one? The sock in Texas? Sock in a bedroom the size of Texas. All right. He's trying again. Again, <laughs> points for the effort. She swears, the profanity seemed inappropriate coming from her lips, like sewage flowing from a polished decanter. <laughs> oh, Dan. Mr. Brown, stop. <laughs> stop attempting these things. Oh, she's. we, we already know she's a sophisticate, so uh, the, the picture's firmly planted in her mind. 
Yeah. And so, yeah. So he just, how, how like glowing and soft, like gauzy filter must she look like for him to, for him to think that at uh, 17 calling him a fucking weirdo is like, yeah, turning on a valve of sewage out of a, you know, crystal. I mean, it's insane. Like it, it makes it's like a bad sense. metaphor contest. So what is he, he expecting her to say? Like, um, well, I never. For you <laughs> yes. to have such effrontery to me is beyond the pale, sir. I turn my nose up at you, I turn away, and I expect not to hear another word from you. Instead, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, so like, did someone like, did someone went and like scoop some sewage up into the decanter? Like, it's flowing, so like, it's a, yeah. must be a pretty large d- decanter, like... It's flowing, so it's a, like a prop decanter where they have sawed out the bottom and they put a hose in there. And yeah, exactly. Like SNL when they have when they're pretending to puke and it just says right. clearly it's the they hose put their through hand the sleeve and, thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I I could not decide which of those was uh, was was my favorite. Probably probably the Texas one, but this one is just as insane, especially because it's so unwarranted. Teenagers swear all the time, right? <laughs> especially when there's cr- cr- men they encounter in a public bathroom. So the only young people he ever encounters are either red, white, and blue punks or uh, very sophisticated seventeen-year-old <laughs> girls. Right. I mean, yeah. We, we didn't we realize that Dan Brown was like thirty-five when he wrote this or something. So, like, yeah, I guess he right. was he was probably just um, if he had kids, they were probably younger, and he was worried about what they were going to encounter based on you know eighties movies depicting teenagers. Right. Right. Uh, so that chapter is very short. I don't think I have anything else. On yeah, that. I mean, he's 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 sort of like eyeing her, and then he's like, he, he realizes she was not as uh, polished as she'd first thought. Her eyes were puffy and bloodshot. Her left forearm was swollen. Underneath the reddish irritation on her arm, the flesh was blue. Jesus, Becker thought, intravenous drugs. Who would have guessed? And so, obviously, this is the punk girl he was looking for. Um, everyone realizes that who's reading the book, but... Uh, um, he he for whatever reason he's unable to you know possibly decide that right and his uh you know long distance uh, uh you know guessing at her drug addiction is i mean you know i don't know can right. you do that just immediately uh like drug drug user <laughs> one second a sophisticate off the pages of 17 and then just do a quick glance and go oh wow but hardcore drug use. <laughs> yeah, it does right. read like a, one of those 17 embarrassing stories you'd write in and they would give like five stars being like, I really had to pee, but then I walked into the bathroom and this grown man was there and accused me of using intravenous drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would know about 17 magazine. I, I do guess, not. I yeah, I, I hope it's still in print. Uh, chapter 67? Yeah, chapter 67. Um, we sort of, this is another short chapter and we had uh, covered a lot of it in a previous real or fanfic, but this is, uh, Midge talks, what's his name? Brinkerhoff into, uh, breaking into Leland, well, blackmails him into going into Leland Fontaine's office, the director. No, and, 67 is Hale and Susan again. Oh crap. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. We get, we get a, we get a quick back to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first note I had there was just a very, uh, gross description of 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 how they've left him hale was sitting one leg on either side of her his full weight on her midsection his tailbone ground painfully into her pubis through the thin fabric of her skirt his nose was dripping blood all over her thanks for reminding us that she had thin skirts (laughs) exactly it is like (laughs) the, the least erotic thing that has ever happened and he's still like you know dropping these you know clinical terms but thin fabric 
Uh, this is a great description of Hale. She recognized the divide and conquer mentality of an ex-marine. Invent lies, pit your enemies against each other. I believe that is the motto, right? Uh-huh, it's yeah. not Semper Fi. That's what it's, I hear. Uh, Pit your enemies against each other. <laughs> invent lies. <laughs> you do see bumper stickers with the uh, with the marine logo, and it says that. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I guess he did. You know, I would have said the uh, the sheer animal brutality of a man who was kicked out of the Marines for murdering someone in a bar right. brawl. But uh, <laughs> instead, but we, it's it's baked into every Marine. I guess we get some uh, we get some more facts about the Marines in this section too that uh, lead me to believe that uh, Dan Brown's never met a teenager and has never met a Marine. So, uh, I think this is the chapter end. Um, no, but anyway, this is a great description. This one, I for the first time, I think I enjoyed a <laughs> sentence that, uh, that Dan Brown wrote. Before she knew what had happened, a reflex instinct jerked her left leg back hard into Hale's crotch. She felt her kneecap crush the soft sack of tissue between his <laughs> legs. <laughs> uh, yep, that was I a standout. Kind of enjoyed reading that. Oh, <laughs> so stupid! <laughs> I, you know, there's a name for it, right? And like, uh, of all the things you're describing as soft, you know, the uh, there's there's two there's two you know hard things down there that are. It's, you know, I felt bad for Hale in that situation. <laughs> oh, that that was good. Dan, <laughs> I tip my cap, Dan Brown. Right. It is a, it's 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 like a contest to think of a way that no one has ever described this in the history of the planet, and he has, uh, he has won that contest like three times already in this section alone. Uh, I guess you could get uh, clinical about it and say, can you crush? A soft sack, and he does use sack uh, S A C. So the, yeah, medic- that was the nice. medical, uh, that's a good good touch. There. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was those those were all my highlights of that section. I had all all three of those. Okay. Oh wait, but he did uh, he did button her top back up and covered her up, and he sort of uh, which is you know it comes out of nowhere and uh, invalidates what happened in the previous chapter. But he says you've got to get me out of here. You've got to help me. Strathmore killed Chartruki, and I saw it. And so that sets up this ongoing, he said, he said, um, where they're, you know, I, I, you're not sure what to believe, but it's just because you have two unreliable narrators telling you different things. So I don't appreciate it, but if I had to predict, I would say that it's probably going to turn out that Strathmore killed him. I don't know. I, yeah, he's just, he's playing a stupid game with this. I think as he was writing it, I'm not sure he knew. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had outlined it or anything. It just seems to be ping-ponging back and forth between, ah, I'm keeping you on edge. And, yeah. uh, you don't know. It's like, yeah, I don't think you know. Yeah, either, exactly. You know? Yeah. You don't know because you're you're just lying to us. Strathmore starts to have first-person sections, but you have no idea you know, what to believe and because it's just all that sort of TV serial type of uh, drama. Uh, and I think uh, through Chapter 80, still, still left hanging, I think. Oh, yeah. Absolutely no. Yeah. There's just, you know, Mission Impossible style uh, face peel offs and, um, you know, Batman still in the car that exploded, but he wasn't in it type of reveals. Right. Well, chapter uh, 68 is what takes us to director Leland Fontaine's uh, private office, which looked nothing like the rest of the directorial suite. There were no paintings, no overstuffed chairs, no ficus plants, no antique clocks. 
We are left hanging about the requisite sparklets water cooler, however. I, I know. I was just like, come on. That yeah. was an of course, right? And of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it was described as, yeah, requ- of course, the requisite sparklets water cooler. <laughs> uh, so, but we do get, you know, the, the other directorial suites, uh, overstuffed chairs and ficus plants and <laughs> antique clocks. Right. <laughs> Whereas I was picturing sort of sleek, you know, like glass desks. Yeah, no, and, they're like and just slim monitors and everything. These are more like I, I don't know, like a the a, guy from Harlem's uh, yeah, apartment like or something. Cartoon villains, you know, from eighties movies, cocaine fiends, you know, from <laughs> right overstuffed chairs. Yeah, are they like grandfather clocks or like just uh, you know the sort of like uh, mantelpieces with uh, you know like made out of ivory or something? You'd think they would want like clocks that were all synced up to some sort of digital system in this hyper secure environment, but. Uh, He's like, you know, oh, wait, got to pull down the uh, weight on this uh, wall-mounted cuckoo clock so it stays wound. Oh, my uh, my ancient ship's barometer is slightly off kilter here. <laughs> Let me uh, adjust that and then dust off the yak horns on the on my uh, stuffed uh, wall mount here. Sir, the coup happened while you were doing that. Uh, uh, <laughs> 18 uh, operatives in Venezuela are dead, so that's, we really ought to upgrade this. I think I just claim that yaks have horns. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it there. You're going to have to deal with that. Uh so okay. Yaks do have horns. Do they? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm looking at one right now. D- okay. You have you have a pet yak? Yeah, I do. That's yeah. I'm I'm becoming one of the characters from our uh, Meet the Authors. How big are the horns? I can't pick. They look them. like uh, Texas Longhorns, which you would probably find a lot of in your encounter to track down that sock. Right. <laughs> okay, now I think I've got a mental yak in my... Yeah. Uh, I'm looking like up a... at the sky and wondering if you're seeing the same yak that I am <laughs> in my head. Um, but yeah, so they uh, neither of them noticed the reflection that appeared in the window beside them. A massive figure was standing in Fontaine's open doorway. And this is the part that we had in real or fanfic. I thought you were in South America. And he says, yes. And now I'm back. <laughs> and as far as I know, we don't get any sort of, uh, I don't think we get like a real explanation for his sudden return or anything like that, but um, maybe that's forthcoming. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I think it just carries on from here, but not, you know, we get another chapter be- stuck between that. This is enough tension for us now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you skipped over. I have a sonic challenge for you. Oh, boy. Because he's so, this is the, uh, we're we're in the middle of her blackmailing Brinkerhoff Midge, that is. Okay. So, uh See, si, senor, Midge cackled in a thick Puerto Rican accent. Oh, gosh. She winked and headed across the suite to Fontaine's double doors. So, God. <laughs> hey, uh, you don't have to do it. You can turn it down. No, I'll do it. Um, all right. I mean, you know, all caveats aside. Of course. Uh, I mean, this is from the book you're doing. A, so it's... So a, wait, what does he say to set it up? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Just get the damn print out, he snapped, and then get out. See, si, senor, Midge cackled in a thick Puerto Rican accent. So I can... See, <laughs> <I can, laughs> si, senor! <laughs> I mean, there we go. I was in Puerto Rico in January. I can attest to its authenticness. Uh, let me read you into that again. I want to get a clean one. You okay. ready? Just get the damn print out, and then get out. <laughs> si, <senor. laughs> 
So, All right, cut and print. Let's isolate that and that get it there. out on the World yeah. Wide Web. <laughs> um, so, what, yeah, that's... What uh, Connor thinks Puerto Rican women sound like. When they cackle. <laughs> okay. Uh, another physical description. The director, a huge man, mm-hmm. sweaty maybe, meaty, <laughs> thick-fleshed. Probably. That all comes with huge, right? Yeah, I think there is a... I think I have yes. I, I later on I he is described as a mountain of a man, and I just wrote down the flesh thickness is implied by uh, by that description. <laughs> yes. uh, but anyway, so that chapter end. Yes, he's back. Mm-hmm. Since since he is there, we know that. But uh, what a chapter sting! <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, and now I'm back. I thought you weren't coming into work today. I wasn't, but now I did. <laughs> okay, all right. I needed to retrieve my file, which I wasn't holding, but now I am. <laughs> uh, all right, well, back to s- chapter 69. Woo, chapter 69, nice. Um, and um, this is back to uh, the public the land bathroom. Of, the land of terrible bathrooms, and an orange awful medical system. in the air. <laughs> a sun that just, like, beats down on you all the time. It's no like something AC from a, on the buses. Yeah, it's like something from a Ray Bradbury story where it just won't. The sun is just the killer. Uh, so this is this is Spain. <laughs> um, she is. Uh, I think she's like getting the hell out of there. I think um, the first note I have is she says, uh, "Mr. Wait." Or I guess they've gone their separate ways. She says, "Mr. Wait." Now what? Becker groaned. She wants to press invasion of privacy charges, <laughs> which is. <laughs> Which is something that if you if you I don't know if there are, if that's a charge that you press, but if you do, you usually approach the guy who invaded your privacy to do that. Um, yes. you don't uh, you know file a suit or approach a policeman or anything like that. Yes, and uh, Spanish policemen always at the ready to uh, take up the charges of invasion of privacy <laughs> on the streets as they walk their beat. Right. Yeah. Certainly. No, there was a uh, the the. Club uh, Club Warlock had a you know a brawl tonight and and three punks are dead but uh, sure let me let me handle this invasion of privacy charge <laughs> and he you say he asked you too many questions about what hmm this is a very very serious in Spain there is one thing we have aside from our terrible bathrooms and that is very strict privacy laws <laughs> um and then yeah so uh, I just have uh, notes about uh, the thing that we also predicted which was the german sort of tapping his arm and saying yes. fuck off in du um but it turns out that she had just written that on her arm and had tried to like scrub it off before she got on the plane so that's why it looked bluish or whatever yeah i just had the, my only real note for the chapter was you know one big preposterous coincidence go to hell so <laughs> not not much there yeah yeah um so yeah there hasn't so far been a single uh you know plot twist heavy quotes that we haven't seen coming i don't think uh, but uh we do get this strange uh, way out of uh him trying to surmise if this still surmise if this is the same person he's looking for you 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 becker stammered staring at her unpierced ears you wouldn't happen you know he, i guess he was told she wears earrings and earrings are clearly removable you wouldn't happen to wear earrings would you the girl eyed him strangely she fl- fished a tiny object from her pocket and held it out Becker gazed at the skull pendant dangling in her hand. A clip-on, he stammered. Hell yes, the girl replied. I'm scared shitless of needles. 
And I, I don't that know, I just, common description of, of earrings. <laughs> yes, I just I wrote. Do they really count? I I uh, bizarre. Ne- I guess afraid of the needles that pierce the ears. Right, but again, are those needles? It's more of just like a a hole punch. Like <laughs> I don't. I never heard it described as a needle, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, this. I guess this is the sophisticated way to say that that's i forgot about that the commoners call it something else like pierce ear piercers or something yeah but she calls them needles this was in a layout that uh one of the uh band members of uh, slater kinney had done for the the girls in 17 if your parents won't let you get your ears pierced here are some cool clip-on earrings that you can Uh, again, that, that reference is probably right on, right? For when you were reading it. Well, I would read it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, then we go to chapter 70 and really all I have is why in the name of hell was this a separate chapter? (laughs) This is the least, we don't change location or time. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's it, it, it. I hadn't really noticed that because there's just so many chapters, but you're cor- absolutely correct. No, we're no ju- we're just ping ponging back from the locations, but this time chapter ends with the scared shitless of needles. And dun, then, dun, okay, dun. <laughs> dun dun dun. Turn the page. David Becker stood there at the exact same time. Uh, it's, yeah, it's very frustrating. I'm sure it's just a. He probably meant chapter seventy one. Seventy one is uh, another garbage one with the Numa Numa guy. So he probably just like didn't have them laid out correctly. He probably meant that to interject there. Yeah, but here we get a chapter 70 is one big, um, I mean, I'm going to use a reference from my youth, uh, Three's Company misunderstanding with the uh, landlord outside the door going, what in the world is going on? (laughs) Uh, This is going to sound crazy, he said, but I think you've got something I need. Oh, Megan suddenly seemed uncertain. Uh Of course, I'd be happy to pay you. The thing that I need from you is, you know. Yes. Yeah, right. I wrote Austin Powers, but yeah, that's a much better uh, yes. comparison. To, yeah, uh, I can imagine John Ritter doing being the actual character who is doing this, not realizing yeah. what he's wading into. <laughs> and of course, it ends in uh, her pepper spraying him. Mm-hmm. She was using uh, Pepper Guard, the environmentally safe alternative to mace. <laughs> <laughs> and that is pepper camel case guard I'll, uh g a r d is one word um just a bizarre a bizarre thing to uh to include uh he also does the little flash to um he and susan going to stone manor again like, oh my god so stop yeah stop it he just yeah the horniness is just it has no off switch um and there's that's a, as he's talking to a 16 year old girl at 2 30 a.m in a filthy airport who is you know alarmed enough that she's about to mace him and he's just imagine uh, yeah imagining the uh the romp they're about to have uh why the aside about pepper guard the environmentally safe which is made from a potent blend of cayenne and chili peppers. <laughs> getting getting in the weeds, unforced I, error there. Cayenne, right. of course, is a chili pepper. And I believe he spelled chili wrong, but that's, you know, it's uh, with an E when you're talking about the pepper, correct? Ha, right. He spelled it like the dish you spelled it like uh, the dish in your big bedroom in Texas. At, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nice, nice. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. And is that uh, presumably a, a brand you can buy in Spain? Because I don't know if you're allowed to be traveling with that internationally. Maybe in the uh, late 90s it was still okay. 
Yeah, I guess so. I just, uh, it's just, I don't know. I think he thinks he's being clever by suddenly stopping freezing the moment and giving you, a, you know, more information than you need. Yeah. She pulled out her pepper spray and, you know, directed a stream of it directly into his eyes or whatever. No, it's Pepper Guard, the environmentally safe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so it's just strange. a view into the mind of a uh, 16-year-old sophisticate in uh, 1998. That is true. That is true. You, well, again, you would know. Test your own knowledge of 17. <laughs> was there a lot of articles about Pepper Guard? I probably. There was. A, if you're going to the uh, NSYNC concerts, uh, when they um, start to exist in two more years, um, you might want to be... <laughs> oh, no, NSYNC was around then, I guess. But uh, yeah, that, that might want to be what you carry if you're uh, thinking about the environment. I like this detail about her. Um, he, he eyed the girl This is before all this happens. He knew his search was over. She had washed her hair and changed clothes maybe in hopes of having better luck selling the ring, but she'd never boarded for New York. So that's a typical 16-year-old thought processes in a foreign country. Uh, one, go to the airport to sell your ring. Two, you'll have better luck if you wash your hair and change your clothes from your uh, red, white, and blue dye. No no indication of where she did it. Presumably well, the, the filthy, filthy bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. yeah, that's why there's paper towels all over the floor. <laughs> oh, that could be the green smudges, I guess. But, uh, I mean, that's uh, that's that's asking a lot uh that's making a big assumption on the behalf of an author who has not earned it no 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 of course uh just a stupid coincidence and we're yep. supposed to go oh my god it's her oh wow <laughs> uh, uh chapter 71 the most worthless chapter i think which is saying a lot saying yeah a, it is a whole lot i just wrote down guess the word count <laughs> uh takuda Taduka, sorry, Taduka Nomatoga uh, waits for a phone call. That's the whole chapter. <laughs> yes, it had a hundred and twenty-two total words. It took up, uh, you know, far less than half a page in a very slim page uh, layout as it is. But it had you turning the page. It, well, it did, and it, it still had. <laughs> it still had some. Some. This is the only one of these I think that had anything worthwhile. It says uh, they're tracking a phone call, and they have been every time he's appeared. It's taking a bit longer than expected. It came from a cellular, a cellular, Numataka mused, figures. <laughs> Fortunately for the Japanese economy, the Americans had an insatiable appetite for electronic gadgets. <laughs> so this is, I mean, you know, I guess it's just, uh, you know, late 90s, not everyone had one. Um, but uh, talk about something that aged, you know, incredibly poorly. Well, I mean, on some level it is true. I, I don't know if you remember, people used to stick uh, fake cell phone antennas on their car. As like a brag? Yes. As like wow. a status symbol of, I am rich enough to afford a car phone. That is so and embarrassing. They, they had those distinctive spiral uh, uh, little aerials. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and people would buy fake ones. That's lower than truck nuts. Yeah, that's that's incredibly lame oh sorry i meant uh trust truck soft sacks of tissue <laughs> right uh, please <laughs> get the nomenclature right uh but then it had another one i'm gonna burn a one of my dumb sentences because it's too good to pass up but right. uh numataka is like uh musing about where his uh contact might be and he says where in the vast american expanse is this mysterious north dakota hiding <laughs> wow yeah, are we supposed to picture like the end of uh, Torah, Torah, Torah or something where the generals like we have awoken a sleeping giant, <laughs> this vast America. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. I, I didn't even notice that. 
but yeah, that's it because it's only 122 words, uh, chapter 72. Uh, yeah, so again, we don't have any fanfic, so no real breaks here, but um, we can do the uh, do the other stuff at the end, I think. We'll just plow sure. through the chapters. Chapter 72 is uh, Susan <laughs> has escaped from Node 3 and has gone back up to Chapter 72. I mean, sorry, back up to uh, what's his name's office? Strathmore? Yes, yeah. So Strathmore has an office somewhere above the node. Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty much the only physical layout you need to know. Mm-hmm. But she she sort of goes in there. She says, uh, Commander, the only light inside was the glow of Strathmore's computer monitors. Commander, she called once again. Commander! Susan suddenly remembered that the commander was in the SysSec lab. <laughs> <laughs> she, she needs to be like a sitcom that's like, that's our genius. <laughs> oh, Susan. How do you suddenly remember? <laughs> also, after going into someone's empty office, where where does he have a hidey hole? I mean, did she know right, about yeah. it? Are, are you under the desk? Are you crouching under, you know, he's not there. Yeah. Does he have like a Matt Lauer, like a locked door chamber or something? That's a... Right. Um, but so, I've got yeah. an audio challenge for you. Oh, great. All yeah. right. Not as good as mine, but... Uh... Uh, is, he says, uh, he, he bursts in, I guess, and says, what the hell's going on? And, uh, we get this calm dot, dot, dot space mander. Susan gasped. So she, so she gasps commander, but she breaks it into do calm and then mander with an ellipsis between. Okay. For color here, as I attempt this, uh, just to get in my own character here. He stood pale and eerie in the electronic glow, his chest heaving. <laughs> All right, so that's going to inform my. Okay. Um, it's going to inform my performance. Uh, could you read me in? What the hell's going on? Calm, Mander. <laughs> I left out a little gasping there, but yeah, that's I fine. think it's close. It's, it's, but, it's written on the page. All right. Um, yeah, and then we get, uh, yeah, I haven't been a ton of things I would uh, explicitly identify as Kleinian, but uh, this one sure struck me as it. Susan, have a seat. Susan looked as if she could hardly believe her ears. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, what? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I forget that... what the more of the setup was, but... Uh, it's funny just to imagine him saying Susan have a seat and that being what triggers her appearing as if she could hardly believe her ears. <laughs> uh, we get all caps from Stradmore. Don't oh, well. touch that. <laughs> wow. He, he lunged for the terminal, pulled huh. Susan's hands away. <laughs> um, um, this I, struck me as clumsy writing. Um, uh, he wished he hadn't jumped on her unnecessarily, which... Doesn't that strike you as odd, seeing that there was a whole chapter of Hale actually physically and literally jumping on her? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just kind of stupid, like, oh, I better not, you know, scratch that out. <laughs> you just had a chapter of someone physically jumping on her. Yes, like, for, you know, it was multiple chapters, actually. There was, he jumped on her, and then he, you know, ground into her pubis in the second one. That's true. That's true. Until that soft sack got its uh, comeuppance. <laughs> Speaking of clumsy writing, this is, uh, this is just incredible. Um, the commander stepped inside, back inside and pulled the door shut. Then he propped a chair in front of it to keep it closed. So just picture that for a second. Yeah. Like what, 
so some uh, I forget his name, but someone someone wrote into you know, the email and described it as a midvale school for the gifted far side cartoon. Because I was like, <laughs> I, I, I at first I read that and I was like, I just thought I just saw the prop the door a chair shut, and I was like, does this? That's a movie thing. I understand, but does that ever work? Like, would that like couldn't in what situation could you not just like shove the chair you know um, through the door? But then then it was a door that pulled shut so if anyone walked inside they would open the door and the chair would fall out into the hallway yes yeah <laughs> i and also to keep the door to keep it closed so it does i guess the the hardware for the door has been stripped out of it like it doesn't oh, have a, a latch a or anything yeah i mean yeah. the locks are electronic and the locks are out i don't know but um it does seem uh you know a touch um inaccurate I guess if you could, if it was sort of a slatted back, you could put it over the handle and maybe the weight of it would keep the door from just sort of slowly swinging open. Yeah, I mean, if it needed to push open the, and then, then the the legs of the chair would like dig into the carpet like one of Susan's Ferragamo heels. Right, right. I guess, I guess that works. Um, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> not when you just open the door and it falls on you like the uh, bucket of water prank, essentially. Oh, it's going to work about as well as a sock in Texas, as far as I'm concerned. My friend told me, this is the sort of thing that, like, he told me his dad or uncle advised him about, uh, and it's going to turn out that it comes from a movie or something, but uh, I always thought it was funny. He's like, if you ever want to take a nap in your office, you go um, sort of behind where the door opens, and you dump a bunch of paper clips on the ground, so then when someone opens the door, it knocks into you, wakes you up, and then you can pretend like you were on the ground picking up the paper clips. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is by far the most successful of my friends in the business world. He has dozens of companies, um, you know, uh, that one of them was CNBC's like top ups, uh, disruptor to watch last year. Um, and so, yeah, this is his uh, this is his business advice tech talk, TED talk. My gosh, there's no way that anyone has ever. No. <laughs> That's like someone uh, actually told me. You know, the old thing of uh, I was at a wedding and uh, just as the vows were about to start, the bride turned and made the speech to the whole wedding that uh, the groom had slept with one of the bridesmaids or something. And then she walked out of there. Wow. And, and someone told me that as I was at the wedding. And I'm like, <laughs> you, you are you seriously going to tell me <laughs> that old cliche that actually happened to you? Yeah. You're not even the one. Interject my cousin was at a wedding or something. Yeah. Yep, nope. My cousin went to Mexico and brought back a chihuahua, and then it turned out it was a rat. You know, that type of uh, scary story to tell in the dark type of thing. Yeah. I think that that happened well. Um, it was probably a college, about college time, and there was an older guy there who just went in the middle of it, like called absolute bullshit on him, <laughs> embarrassed him. Like, no, no, that is an old cliche. You can't tell that as though it's you. <laughs> guy got super embarrassed. <laughs> Uh, that same friend, he has, he had a lot of good stories. Um, uh, but he had one story about a guy, uh, in college who I was at a party and he was dancing on a table and then like, you know, whipped it out essentially. And mm -hmm. so when we went to visit him at college, we were like, where, where was that party? Like we should, you know, that sounded like they had wild parties. Uh, that guy you told us about that, like, you know, w w w and then he sort of like turned to his friend and he was like, Hey Rich, like, remember that party you were at where, you know, he had just passed this story off. Uh, as his own story and then oh, immediately wow. when called upon it in front of the person it actually happened to had to play it off and then the Ooh. third story about this guy he 
another guy in his uh, in his uh, frat at MIT um, played lacrosse uh, with a guy who <laughs> whose name was last name was Smithmouth. Smith mouth <laughs> and on his uh, lacrosse stick he was the goalie was written god giveth smith mouth taketh away <laughs> wow and then it turned out after just telling this story for years and being like that is the most amazing thing to have written on a stick it was uh, it turned out the guy's name was smith and he just added in smith mouth for goal <laughs> what which makes it you know which makes it a worthless story what? Yes. Completely, you know, not cool at all. Like, you know, just some some dipshit named Smith who wrote that on his stick, the most common last name in the country. What a bizarre thing to make up. <laughs> uh, How does that gain you anything? Man? I don't know. I, I mean, I you know, I'm telling the story now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but because of the and fact he's that you know on the true. Fortune 500, so it all worked out. Wow. All right. Well. All right. Some good stories. Chapter... If anyone if anyone does do the paperclip thing, please let us know how it works out when you ever get back to an office uh, office job. I mean, is that straight out of George Costanza's life? You yeah, know, probably. That's the sort of uh, a poor man's George. Uh, the idea, of course, came from Cosmo, and uh, and George <laughs> did it. Um, and then so uh, after he props the door open, it says, "In the pale glow of the monitors, Susan saw what he was holding." Her face went pale. <laughs> God, so bad. And then it ends with uh, him saying, Susan, he began, I haven't been entirely honest with you. So keep that in mind. He, is, he has confessed that uh, at this point in time. Oh, my God. The chapter where he talks about not being entirely honest with her is the most ponderous, <laughs> Ugh. which we'll get to in a second, because chapter 73, another absolutely worthless, worthless chapter. Mm-hmm. The entire gist of which is david becker's eyes hurt yep that's what we get oh and the and megan returns after having hosed down his face with pepper guard she comes back to him yeah she she wonders how he knew her name and i the only only thing i thought was interesting was it it felt like his face had been doused in turpentine and ignited and i just thought that turpentine was again an an odd choice i guess it's probably (laughs) flammable but it is (laughs) gasoline lighter fluid like (laughs) a mixture of three volatile chemicals had been put on his face (laughs) and lit a fire with a bic lighter or whatever the uh environmentally uh, sound alternative to turpentine might be right right uh so yeah that's all i don't have anything for that Nope. We go to chapter 74, where that's where we get introduced to uh, Leland Fontaine being a mountain of a man. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the first African-American director of the National Security Agency. Nobody ever mentioned the distinction. Fontaine's politics were decidedly colorblind, and his staff wisely followed, followed suit. Uh, no one ever mentioned it? <laughs> then why was it even mentioned? <laughs> The distinction? I don't. Nobody know. ever sees him. <laughs> yeah. um, seemed odd. I don't know why that's in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I get, I get two feelings about that. I get the feeling that one, people would definitely mention that. Um, you know, people mention that about like Frank Robinson. He was the first uh, African American yeah. baseball manager. It's, you know, I'm sure he's proud of that fact. Two, I'm sure that this is the last we will ever hear about this in this book as well. I think it was probably put in there for color and will have absolutely no bearing on anything and never be mentioned again. And also, Fontaine's politics were decidedly colorblind. What uh, I don't how as the how how would that matter? 
in, in terms of him being an African-American man? Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's, a, it's one of those things that people say that is usually never true. <laughs> I just I feel like he, again, unforced error. Like you're drawing a distinction to something that just makes you ask questions about it instead of right, going, oh, yes. uh-huh, mm, sure. Right. G- gotcha. That's right, interesting. Yeah. So is Fontaine one of those guys that's like, I don't see race type of thing? Like, uh, or is he like, um, I mean, I guess it's, yeah, it's, it, it is, it raises more questions than it answers, which is his right. style. Right. So, uh, so he walks in on them. But he, wait, so his staff wisely follows suit as if his staff is like, God, I really want to get, uh, I really want to get some, some, some race-based politics going here, but I guess it'd be right. wise to follow suit here since the director just, doesn't seem interested in that. I... Right. <laughs> Again, unforced errors. Uh, so he walks in on them. It's basically, um, you, know, uh, you know, what are you doing in my office? You know, and they have to, they're caught like little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, after he catches him, this this uh, sentence caught my eye. Okay. Fontaine had, had kept Midge and Brinkerhoff standing as he went through the silent ritual of making himself a mug of Guatemalan Java. <laughs> so <laughs> imagine that. I am let's, imagining it. It's uh... let's, let's take it at face value. Um, and so I, I wondered about it and I, I went to the dark web. Oh, right. I, I, I tried. Oh. I could, I could not. I could not get on because our uh, internet was down. Huh. Well, that's a sh- the dark web seems to you like more than anything. The dark web seems to have a lot of uh, reenactments of moments where characters are are kept silent. It's uh, largely it, that. If you yes. don't cruise, <laughs> if you don't cruise the dark web, you you probably wonder. Yeah. You think it's like people looking for. Um, you know, like uh, ways to make, uh, sur- you know, survivalists exchanging yeah, tips and stuff like that. Or, yeah. and, uh, or to, like yeah. dirty peep, like, you know, spy camps and stuff like that. But right. you're it's, saying it's, it's mostly... It's mostly recreations of things from terrible books. books. Yeah. yeah. Okay, where the writing yeah. is sort of not... If you bear it out in real life, the writing is absurd. Right, okay. right. But I was unable to get that, so I got on the horn right away and I called... Uh, the 372 players. Oh, right. Which, yeah. So um, Those guys, huh? So I, t- I took our, our budget. I forgot to tell you. I'll submit the, I'll submit the forms afterwards. But I, I, uh, I spent that on a recreation. Huh. Um, so I just had them, uh, you know, tell just me how this would go. And I, I, I leave it in your hands. I don't know. You, you and, spent the uh, money without giving them any direction no i didn't give them any direction they're the 372 players they yeah and last this. time they really like blew it and they like sort of give this stilted um uh, well performance they didn't everybody really deserves microphones a second. like was... you know connor now more than ever in these uncertain times <laughs> i feel like it's okay to reach out <sighs> and give people a second chance so okay. uh so i did and so here's the 372 players recreating the moment where uh the director of the nsa Silently makes a cup of Guatemalan Java while two people stand there. Uh, so here it is. All right. Well, well, well. Sir, we were just... I didn't expect it. Shut up, both of you. You stand there while I go through the silent ritual of making a mug of Guatemalan Java. Damn it. Did you hear that? It was pretty loud. Yeah, it was kind of obvious. All right, let me start again. No Guatemalan would ever make that mistake. Let me just... Grind this coffee. Yeah, I can hear that. It, it's, it's pretty loud. Damn it, this is supposed to be silent. 
Hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> I have some pre-ground bag Guatemalan. Okay, here we go. That that's not silent. <laughs> it's really not. Crap. All right. Here. Both of you wear these active noise reduction headphones. Well, okay, but it's kind of a cheat. Yeah, you won't really be silently making your mug of Guatemalan. No, no, I will, though. Sound has to be perceived to be sound. Well, I mean, that's debatable. Shut up. Put them on. Okay. Okay. How long will it take? Quiet. Are you making it? I can't make a mug of Guatemalan with you yelling like that. What? Take the headphones off for a sec. What? Take them off. What? Stop shouting. Can't Can hear you. you. What are you saying? Write it down. I'm not going to write it down. Just just take off the stupid headphones. Are you done making your mug of Guatemalan? I haven't even started. Would you take off the headphones? So and then it goes on like that. I I I, I actually cut it off. It was like 15 minutes long. Wow. To, yeah. Huh. It was just I, a lot of that going back and forth and misunderstanding and my, shouting yeah, and everything. So my didn't realize like how hard it would be to do that silently. Like that's right. just not, exactly. um, not, not. Well, there's there's obviously the time it takes is one thing, but right. do, was, doing it silently that would just be agonizing. It is. It's sort of uh, it's like adding a, a whole. Uh, it's like doing a uh, construction project, but on roller skates. It's a new wrinkle. Right. I wonder. You know, in reality. In in Dan Brown's mind, was he thinking silently? Maybe there's some like little grunts of effort from the director because he's a huge man and like he's reaching up to get the coffee, and so there might be a, a one or two like. <laughs> so I, you know, anyway, you went to that room that's the uh, quietest place on earth. I did. Yeah, so that's yeah. yeah. I'm surprised the the ritual didn't involve them hopping in a you know car An and driving up chamber. to Minnesota and yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, the weird thing about the the quietest place on earth. Is what is it called event, again? Uh, the it, it's called an anechoic chamber. Okay, it just means you know no anechoic, no echoes, no echoes oh, at, oh, at got all. It, got it. And uh, so it it feels this weird sensation of pressure on your ears because your your ear brain system is like probing for for huh. echoes and there are none, and so you feel this weird weight on you. But uh, after a few minutes, you can hear people's like blood beating, and you can hear the Jeez. the small groan of their you know food moving through their intestinal wow. tract. Is your senses like overcompensate, like this, like daredevils yeah, do. Exactly. After a few minutes, you you start to become accustomed, and you get like you know super Spider Man hearing or whatever. So wow. it's very weird. You can hear Susan Fletcher uh, adjusting her bra strap. Oh, I hear. <laughs> um, yeah, so they. It's this was another thing that was just you know another unforced error, but it's very funny to imagine the actual head of the NSA um, having this conversation. You called Jabba? Yes, sir. I Jabba. Fontaine stood up, furious. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Stinky the Hut. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, this was another uh, note that we've. It's been hinted at, but it just seems like a very weird thing that evidently the plot is going to hinge on. Three months ago, Fontaine had gotten news that Commander Strathmore's wife was leaving him. He'd also heard reports that Strathmore was working absurd hours and seemed about to crack under the pressure. 
So he was getting reports that Strathmore seemed like he was about to crack under the pressure. Like <laughs> he's he's his the second in command, right? Yes, yes. Three months these reports have been coming in, and he's uh, he's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll look into that. Like, make sure it's filed on the appropriate. Uh, someone's about to crack under pressure paperwork. Right. I mean, is uh, you know, is, is Donald Trump getting reports about Pence? You know. <laughs> Right. He should be on top of this stuff, should he not? Yeah. Is he like walking? Yeah, but like, how would someone even like notice that? Is he like muttering like, you know, Hamlet when he's pretending to be crazy? Like, he really seems like he's about to crack under the pressure. Right. Uh, but then he does the only thing, the sensible thing that a boss would do. Instead of bringing him into his office and yeah. talking with Reaching him. Reaching out, or canceling Having him, him go to... HR and not even as a boss but as your friend right is there anything that you need um no no he does the sensible thing he he uh he spies on he he tracks everything that he's doing (laughs) uh reads all of his emails (laughs) this is just taken as a point i found it so funny like i mean would would this have been assumed already i don't think you can probably have any you know, if you're using a a government email, I think those have to be reported on anyway. Huh. I know if you work in the financial area, you can't. It's assumed is, that yeah, it's being yeah, tracked. Everything is being tracked. I think a lot of workplaces are like that, where it's yeah. like you know, don't look at your uh, you know, don't look at your videos of Carmen Huerta covered in honey at work because we <laughs> ha- you know we're just take it as a given that we're looking at everything you do. Right, uh, but yeah, that's his that's his response to it, <laughs> and so he sees. By spying on him that, no, no, he's he's not cracking up at all. He's fine. Right. So that's how uh, the director of the NSA handles that problem. Yes. He's Googling, like, what to do if you're about to track crack under the pressure. And he's like, well, this is a red flag. <laughs> I guess it's like people are like, hey, like, you know, you guys are, you know, making fun of movies all the time. Is that hard to turn off when you go out to a movie with your with your uh, family? And it's like, I guess that's just like at the NSA, they just can't stop installing spying software on other people's computers yeah when when all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail so (laughs) every problem has a solution and that is to spy on some new person (sighs) funny uh so that's that i I think i don't have anything else it's a very long description this chapter why are the chapters where uh tankata or not tankata what's the other guy the businessman smokes a lot numa numa uh, I want more color on Numa Numa, the chain, uh, chain-smoking cigars. And, yeah, uh, he's getting massages, he's smoking cigars, yeah. like people are bowing to him. <laughs> right, and those chapters are like three sentences long, and then this this uninteresting guy, uh, that's like very, very long chapter. <laughs> I like, this is a, a, another technique we, we love to employ, is uh, either... You know, something in a in a Star Wars movie, they either like are delivering a ponderous speech about trade routes, and we're like, get to the get to the star battles, and they go to like a ten minute star battle. And we're like, my god, this is going on forever. Yes. Like, you can't, whatever they're whatever yeah. they're skimping on is what we want to see more of in any given time. Of course, <laughs> uh, no, I just had the uh, so the his conclusion is Stradmore was fine, working at one hundred and ten percent, as sly, smart, and patriotic as ever. Right, <laughs> and so the best thing the director could do would be to stand clear and watch the commander work his magic, and then we get just a hint of the secret plan that Fontaine has. Uh-huh. Right, everyone has one of those, it seems. So, chapter seventy-five. This is back to Susan and Strathmore. 
Uh, Strathmore is uh, holding a gun. He's holding a Beretta. Even with the rage boiling in his blood, he was programmed to think clearly. The fact that Greg Hale had dared laid a finger on Susan Fletcher sickened him. But the fact that it was his own fault made him even sicker. Susan going into Node 3 had been his idea. Also, Greg Hale was a convicted murderer that Strathmore had hired, and you also didn't send him home today when you could have. So right. yeah, I, I would say it's, it's, it's a bit on you at this point in time. <laughs> right. Uh, another uh, Brownian moment. The commander uh, had a deadly serious look on his face. There was obviously some aspect of his agenda to which she was not privy. Um, there, it is obvious because he just said it explicitly, and then he restated it again. Yes, the end of chapter two was Susan. I haven't been entirely honest with you. <laughs> it comes as as news to her at this point in time that there was obviously some aspect of his agenda to which she was not privy. Unbelievable! It's it's. Oh, can we call it Brownian? I, I guess so. A, yeah, a new a new wrinkle of people just flatly not comprehending what is being put in front of their eyes until a few minutes later and then and then realizing it and restating it in the exact same way <laughs> right and that uh, so that gives susan the first of many chills um and she also is just pretty much at this point in time being like you let me out of here i'm not going to ask again and then sit down okay <laughs> and yes. then she'll she'll demand to get out you know a page later and he'll she'll be foiled by someone saying just give me a second like type of thing Oh, but then his confession to her, I, I don't even know what is happening here. This is the, the second in command at the NSA, and he's he's rubbing his hand over his face. He's His voice is frail. He's like, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but my life is my work here at the NSA. <laughs> he's It's just like death of a salesman or something, you know? It's yeah. just, he's breaking down, uh, and then he just tells her, that he just has a, a simple plan with the uh, with the code, mm-hmm. and 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 she just cannot believe it. Like <laughs> what? It yeah, barely he... makes sense. She says, it's, "Wow!" Uh, but it goes on forever. His confession. I just don't understand why he just didn't go. All right, look. Here's the deal. I kept you out of it because of this, but uh, I got my own plot going on. Yeah, and. It's yeah, it's very you know, it's the villain confession in a in a you know James Bond bad movie, but he's essentially installed a a back door into Digital Fortress, so it's his previous scheme. It's it's identical. It's like Star Wars where they just like their the Death Star gets blown up, so they just build another Death Star. He was going to put the back door in the the first thing that that hailed faf, um, foiled Skipjack. Yeah, Skipjack, and so he's like, all right, well, wait till you see this scheme. Backdoor in Digital Fortress that'll yes. allow him to say to do everything. So he's sort of a one-trick pony here. Uh, but her her just absolute disbelief at this. But she doesn't really give reasons. It's just like it seems. It's just so unbelievable. <laughs> like no, I mean this is it, this is could not be more simple. Like this is just complete red herring. Yeah, it's so just accept it as it is in, instead of making her like. Her jaw fell to the floor. <laughs> you know, she turned cartwheels and, and did blah, 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 with yeah. her lips over how insane this is. Susan stared at him, apparently lost. It's like, he's like really, Susan? Because, again, very similar to Skipjack, <laughs> something that we were all on yes. board with. But he does the, uh, he also, he, you know, Dan Brown, for whatever reason, can't help himself. He keep, But he launches back into the uh, sort of Mr. Burns 
uh, turf here. Uh, he's like, over the past few years, our work here at the NSA has gotten harder and harder. We've faced enemies I never imagined would challenge us. I'm talking about our own citizens, the lawyers, the civil rights fanatics, the EFF. They've all played a part, but it's more than that. It's the people. They've lost faith. They've become paranoid. And uh, there's Mr. Burns once said, the watchdog of public safety. Is there any lower form of life? <laughs> <laughs> so he just, he just, really, you've, uh, you're really just not coming off the way uh, I think that you are imagining yourself on this, like, you know, on a hill, like, you know, everyone else that you're sort of serving beneath you. There's this, uh, you know, sacrifice, self-sacrifice you're making. You're, you're really sneering with contempt. Yes. I mean, come on, people, be patriotic and let us look at everything. (laughs) Uh, You know, let us completely dismiss all privacy laws that, you know, have been assumed, but also written in the, you know, right into the Constitution. Why is he so angry? (laughs) He's very angry about them. Um, But we get about his plan. Susan realized the plan was beyond ingenious. It was pure Dot 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 Strathmore. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just thought pure pure Strathmore. Would that be sweaty and thick fleshed and <laughs> running hands through its hair? And... I didn't think a plan could look like it was about to be left by his wife for being too thick fleshed, but wow, <laughs> this really, yeah. Anthropomorphic as hell. Uh that's such a stupid it was pure Strathmore. Yeah, it really is revolting. Yes, the only thing that you've described him doing, Skipjack, he's doing again, so that's pure <laughs> Strathmore. I guess it follows. I uh, Logically, it does make sense. Sure. And then we get another one of these. So, you know, I, I forget what it was, but, uh, oh, she, he said earlier, you know, a man is forced in, in my position to lie to the people he loves. Today was one of those days. Susan felt a chill. And then uh, Susan paused. This is at the end of the chapter. Tankato is dead. That seemed very convenient. She thought of all the lies Strathmore had told her and felt a sudden chill. So I was like, did she have the flu? Like, it's just yeah. sudden chills cannot be healthy for her to keep, you know, just like chills going down her spine. Her skirt is very thin. I think she needs to, you know, put a uh, dress in layers because yes. it, it gets cold in the node, I guess. She felt a chill deep in her pubis. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, um, let me ask you this question. I'll, I'll read this uh, First, and then ask you, even if Digital Fortress becomes available everywhere for free, most computer users will stick with their old algorithms for convenience. Why would they switch to Digital Fortress? Connor, do you find that you tend to just stick to your old algorithms for convenience? I'm sort of stuck in my ways. You know, I'm paying like a $24 annual fee to my algorithms, and it would just be porting them over. Like, you, you don't know. Like, they say... Digital Fortress has a easy one-click way to do that, but it's just like easier not to. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> refinancing. I mean, yes, I guess in the long run, but I got to get that hassle. I got to go through. They got to crawl through my <laughs> financials again. I'm sticking to my old algorithm. Right. So, yeah, so most computer users. So imagine, you know, your parents, your grandparents who are still, you know, being like, Uh, have like Bonzi Buddy or like, you know, some sort of like weird, they used to use Internet Explorer for whatever reason, because it came with their computer. (laughs) Not a single one of them is using any sort of encryption on their email. Right. (laughs) Uh, Mom, what is, you have so much spyware on here. Like you're using a browser called spyware. Like how did this (laughs) even get on here? Like I just, I just click things and. Uh, Yeah, I, I did, uh. 
I did the scan of my mother-in-law's computer once. It was like scraping barnacles off of a ship hull. It was just like, my God, someone knows every bank statement you've ever had. Yes, right. Just viruses everywhere. <laughs> the virus uh, scanner's like, nope, that's, uh, I'm just going to self-immolate here. This is not worth <laughs> my time. Yeah. Oh, so I said, use an algorithm, please. <laughs> All right, so chapter 76, uh, we, we, there's no reason to uh, pretend otherwise, but uh, me and Mike stopped for uh, three and a half hours to review uh, our Hobgoblin's live show for Rift Tracks. So <laughs> if, uh, you know, if you detect maybe a little less energy or uh, confusion or don't remember what we said earlier, that's because that's what happened. <laughs> or if, if you just, you know, detect that uh, Connor might be slightly sick of talking to uh, <laughs> say i don't know me there's there's probably a reason for that it's uh if we had a word counter if you had like uh the fitbit for words today would have would be you know the equivalent of you know 18 mile hike up a mountain i think when you look at the steps you're like my god thirty-two thousand. i really feel it yeah i i think there's a uh there's no reason to hide this that sometimes when i've uh, we haven't done it in a while, obviously, but recording our riff tracks where uh, Bill and Kevin and I will, you know, lugging our coffee mugs into the studio, we'll say to each other, all right, words into microphones, <laughs> words into microphones, gentlemen. And, uh, you know, in the end, of course, I'm I'm blessed to have it. It's fun. Yeah, but exactly. sometimes the sheer amount of words does, it gets to you, you know. <laughs> So that's where we are now. Well, anyway, words, on that, yeah, words were not something Dan Brown was concerned about in chapter seventy-six because it's another one that is like less than a page long, and uh, it's uh, deals with the guy in wire rim glasses looking at Becker writhing in pain from the uh, humane brand of pepper spray. Yes, pep, pepper guard, pepper guard, <laughs> pepper guard with no U okay. in guard. Yes, I was amused by that five hours ago, so I did not remember the actual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, I only have one note for this chapter, and that is just um, reminding myself of the plot. Wire rim guy sees David get ring. Yep. So I, I think that's it, right? Yep. Yep. And he muses that uh, Becker was apparently in pain, and he thought he does not yet know pain. And I, I was like, I thought this guy just shows up and like is the most silent assassin. Like he shot the fat German guy and was like dusted his hands and got the hell out. Yeah, like he's not I, pulling off toenails or, um, you know, that type of thing. Right. I mean, he, uh, you know, humanely, uh, he shot the uh, the woman of the night. Yeah, who was suffocating, suffocating. under the giant German and his micro. <laughs> right. He put her out of his misery. Right. Uh, uh, but what? what I, I, this is a, a dumb question because I've read this book. What was his? Is he deaf? Yes. What is he? he has a physical. Yes. Okay. You would All be, right. yeah, excused because that was mentioned and it has never borne anything into plot and it has, nothing has hinged on it. Right. I couldn't, like, did he, he was unable to, um, you know, uh, he was unable to taste uh, cranberry juice. I couldn't remember what his physical <laughs> disability was. Webbing so. between uh, pinky toe and fourth toe. Oh, those are the most evil people. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. All right. So, chapter 77. So ch chapter 77. <laughs> it is funny that that's like the bad guy quote and then he that is the only appearance of him in this um in this, you know, 15,000 words we read this week. Right, of him. And exact I mean, I guess he's he's good at what he does except that he's trying to track Becker and he seems to be very bad at that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, is he tracking him or just watching him through his thick wire rim glasses? He's, I mean, he's tracking him and he's also murdering everyone that he encounters, but he's yeah, always, always a couple steps behind. But he, but he seems to not, if his goal is to get to Becker and to kill him, we must admit he's not very good at that. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. So we, we, we don't really know. Yeah. Uh, chapter 77. Oh, yeah. We're, this we're back to Node 3. Node no, wait. No, we're back to Stradmore. We're back office. to Crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think this had more stuff than I did. My first note is when he's uh, when they're going downstairs. So if there's anything before that. Um, no, I think you, you probably have the exact same note <laughs> that I did. Strathmore inched forward, looking for the place where the narrow staircase began. So all the lights are out. Switching the Beretta to his left hand, he groped for the banister with his right. He figured he was probably just as bad a shot with his left and needed his right for support. Falling down, this particular set of stairs could cripple someone for life. So it's, uh, it's different than many staircases, which you would be happy to fall down and get up and dust yourself off. This one you could get hurt. If you fell down. Yeah, there probably are. I, I think I had a short run of basement stairs that we carpeted thickly that I was like, you know, if I fell down these, <laughs> it might not cripple me for life. <laughs> it ends but in I, a uh, moon bounce or something like it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I had a uh, I had a house a couple of years ago that I rented that had um, a very hard hardwood wooden stairs that were lovely to look at it was nice but i went once uh i had stocking feet on and rushed down the stairs and did the full um you know like from a stuntman fall down the stairs <laughs> tumbling and, uh, uh, side rolling over barrel rolls yeah just like every hitting every part of my body against every part of every stair and <laughs> I, I, I lie at the bottom of the stairs for about five minutes going, oh, <laughs> you know, it was like from a movie and uh, uh, Bridget had been, she was on a phone call. And so a couple minutes after I crawled back up the stairs and I said, I, I think I really hurt myself. And she said, I thought I heard like a tremendous clatter. <laughs> so those were dangerous stairs. But yeah, I did have carpeted stairs where I, you know. The kids and I would kind of slide down him, and uh, you know it wasn't that bad. Yeah, but uh, but then yeah, but, he, he gauges it in could cripple. So that's again, it's the, the the possibility is there with this particular set, right? And the sentence goes on, and Strathmore's dreams for his retirement did not uh, include a wheelchair. <laughs> you got to well, specify I mean, that because you know I sort of walk into any conversation about retirement assuming. That that's how people are are enjoy want to enjoy their latter years, right? Well, as you sit down with your financial advisor, let's write down some of your dreams. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, please uh, budget in uh, thirty five hundred dollars for a top of the line wheelchair. Oh, oh! So your dreams of retirement do include that. All right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Let's polish up box. those stairs and, uh, and get <laughs> you ready for that. Uh, but I, I just noted that this is the uh, the brave super patriotic head of the NSA, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. His biggest concern right now <laughs> is falling down the stairs in the place he created. Yes. Right? He designed every bit of it. Right. <laughs> Maybe should have thought ahead a couple of years to when you're getting a little more frail and you need a little help. Yeah, build some of that uh, like LED track lighting into the stairs like they have in uh, yeah, you know, movie theater. Or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Um, 
They she Susan is as they're as they're way, making their way to Node Three. I forget why they're even going there. And oh, they, they oh, need to go, get the they're key. going to they're going to threaten Hale. Yeah, they want the the, the transistor the key that they think Tenkado sent him. Right, and uh, she's uh she she is praying that Hale was still there, lying on the floor, whimpering in pain like the dog he was. And I was like, you were out of the <laughs> office for like forty five minutes, like. It, even if he like broke his leg, he probably would have dragged himself out of there like a the random kick to the balls. I don't think you're still whimpering in pain 45 minutes later. I th- look, she gauged the amount that her knee went into the soft sack, <laughs> and she thought that's a yeah, that's 45 minutes, I guess, give or take. Uh, uh, but, yeah, Ap- Strathmore. Um, as he's going down the stairs, there's just a quick line. Strathmore descended silently. And I just noted, um, nowhere near as silently as the director <laughs> makes a cup of Guatemalan Java. But uh, nice try. Anyway, Strathmore. It is silent until they get a uh, halfway to silent translator. The silence was broken somewhere uh, in the darkness, seemingly right on top of them. A high-pitched beeping pierced the night. Strathmore spun and Susan lost him. Fearful Susan shot her arm out groping, but the commander was gone. The space between where her shoulder had been was now just empty air. Air. She staggered forward into the emptiness. This must have been one hell of a beep to like, you know, do a full like, you know, she's they've somehow been separated. She's having like a Chris Farley like, you know, body heave uh, to disorient her in this from the guy that she was like holding hands with as she descended the stairs. Yeah, I, I that that actually took me a couple of rereads to go. Wait, what? The beeping noise <laughs> caused this? Yes, I, it was puzzling. And yeah, um, I guess it is just pure, like you know, your your silentest place on earth. So this is the darkest place on earth. Their eyes have not adapted. They can't see someone who's you know a foot away from them. I I, I guess maybe this is the uh, anechoic chamber. Yeah, to go back four and a half hours from <laughs> when we talked about. That. Uh, I will put this as exhibit, um, I don't know, is this up to uh, exhibit why that uh, the Susan is a weird person? As they moved away from the safety of the stairs, Susan recalled late night games of tag as a kid. She'd left home base. She was in the open. She was vulnerable. <laughs> that- Late late night? Late night games <laughs> of tag as a kid <laughs> is your what you're thinking about now as you go to meet Hale, the guy who just tried to sexually assault you and you need him in the balls and ran and he bled all over you. And now your director just like rocked your world and you're walking down dark stairs. Oh, I remember when I played late night games of tag. <laughs> Susan, you're a weird person. Focus, for yeah. God's sake, focus. To have played tag late at night is weird it's like the the movie we were just doing where the kid wants to fly his kite all night and it's like it's just it's very strange but yeah to think back about that once you're uh once you're uh, in this horrible situation i mean come on kick the can is the night game not tag (laughs) Uh, speaking of uh we we love the regional differences what was your did we ever talk about this your ollie ollie all come free or Uh, your yeah oxen free that was oxen free right Mm mm-hmm what was your? What did you use? Uh, that was. I mean, that was sort of like old timey, but that was that was sort of that was known. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it was old timey for me, and we just said <laughs> it as a, like a joke, like we didn't know what it meant, and but then a kid would come in and he'd yell the opposing, which I think either oxen free or all come free. Ha! Huh, yeah, 
oxen was i think our we would we would do that you know during the one summer where you'd be playing old-timey games like kick the can sure okay. <laughs> it's no Just... duck duck gray duck though oh god stop did that was so i moved from uh from illinois a suburb of chicago and then i moved up to wisconsin and it was duck duck goose yes and, and then i got to wisconsin and they would do the I thought I was being, I didn't, I looked around going, Punks. am I on camera or something? Yes. Duck, duck, gray duck? <laughs> Who's to say the first two ducks weren't also gray? Yeah. What? Do you, what, what? Seems common, right? Like the, the female ducks, I guess they're sort of tan maybe, but tan, gray. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's yeah. a weird thing to go to the mat for because people seem pretty, uh, you know, it's, I, don't know, I guess it's probably like defiant at this point in time it's it's not good though <laughs> yeah it's bad drop it people um but now we learn the uh the source of the annoying beep mm-hmm. and it is of course i mean i knew before and i'm sure you did it's a sky pager <laughs> yeah that, yeah i is, mean this, is this, that a thing this checks out like this you know this was the era where like a couple of my friends had pagers sky uh, pagers i i mean is that a brand name I don't know, but it's it's he's doing camel caps again and making up things. It's the responsibly sourced uh, version of a pager, okay. like a, <laughs> so a pepper guard. So it's the pepper guard of the pager world is Sky Pager. <laughs> Why does he do this? I, I don't know. I it, it, it was his pager. Okay, that's solved. Why Sky Pager? <laughs> Annoying. It is. Uh, it was a that was a that was a fun era because you would have to like go to a payphone and like try to page these people and then it was yeah it was a very stupid thing for a kid who had just gotten their driver's license to have. Wait, when wh- what age did you have a pager? I never had one, but my friend Danny had one, my friend Derek had one, and I think Lauren had one. Oh, did it was, did the did the was, guy who tells uh, weird lies about hockey sticks have one? I don't think Jeff ever had one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, there was like virtually no reason to ever do that. You were you you never needed to get in touch, but there was everyone knew that if it was super important, you would type 911. So that would be like you haven't responded to my call 911 as opposed wow. to Wow. <laughs> I uh I believe I <laughs> Uh, to my to my shame, I think I rented a pager <laughs> when my when my uh, son, my first son, was uh, in the womb. Wow! And uh, and I don't think I was ever really separated from my wife at any point where that would be a thing that you would right, be concerned yeah. about. You were like, like I'm going to play 36 <laughs> holes of golf today, so <laughs> I am uh, going to play a. Uh, some tennis over at the court where you know exactly where I am, and uh, but but page me should anything happen. Uh, the, <laughs> Obviously, I, the pager never came into play. The person who works at the pager rental store is quite a person to uh, to imagine. It's pretty much you know Norman or Old Gill, uh, Jack Lemon from uh, Glen Gary type of. Thing. Oh yeah, lean leaning back and jingling the change in the pocket. Uh, <laughs> I see you eyeing the four hundred C model there. That's. Uh, <laughs> You got a good eye for pagers, my friend. Come on, you got to get this one. I got to meet my quota. This is this, this pager rental business was a bad thing to get into. I hear these cell phones are coming in from Japan to, for our insatiable uh, appetite for gadgets. All right, last year in the pager rental was a bad year, but next year, pager rental, of course, is a growing, growing business. Next year is my big year. That's the harvest year. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, uh, that's all. Yeah, I that's have that's what that he has. Too. He says uh, he says uh, his, the what who had paged him was more bad news from Spain, not from David Becker, but from the other party he had sent to Seville, which are oh, two. Oh, dun dun dun! Yeah, rip off. Tom Cruise takes off the mask. You know everything we've been told the entire book has been a lie. There's two guys in a van who are driving around Seville, which we get a paragraph about. Oh, right. I forgot about the two guys in the van. <laughs> I didn't have any notes about them. No, me neither. I just thought they were two guys in a van. And, you know, fortunate, unfortunately, they weren't like, um, you know, eating salmon out of a can and drinking, uh, you know, pineapple orange guava juice or something. Right. Uh, chapter 78 mm-hmm. mercifully goes mm-hmm. back to, I think, my, I mean, easily my favorite character in the book. <laughs> And what is the uh, what is his first act in this? Uh, do you do you have the his first uh, no, the introduction of? I don't because I think it was fanfic. Is he eating something? Underneath the twisting mass of cables, Jabba was sweating. <laughs> <laughs> the really sweating fat man. This uh, uh, pig tadpole hybrid. Uh, who gobbles down, <laughs> was it four three, ca- three pepperoni calzones, I think. Three. Uh, and Wash then he spills Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper over them, and then he, he sponges the Dr. Pepper off his calzone to preserve it. Um, this man uh, was sweating. <laughs> so lovely introduction to him. This has more of the same pretty much thing we mentioned earlier of the uh, the alarm. It's just a bird type of thing because Midge is just desperately trying to get in touch with him. She's calling his state-issued cell phone, and he's just saying, like, you know, for Christ's sake, Midge, give it up. And he does that a couple times being like, will you just leave me alone? Until she finally, like, gets on the intercom of SysSec or whatever and uh, says, would the chief SysSec please contact the main switchboard for a message? Jabba rolled his eyes in disbelief. She just doesn't give up, does she? He ignored the page. It's like, what? You know, what does she need to do? Does she have to, again, have to say, like, you know, they are, there has been a bomb detonated at the federal building. Like, please stop ignoring your phone. Like, I don't know what else to do to to get you on the horn. Yeah, this, repeating this beat over and over again of someone trying to, you know, convince other people to take action is right. Boy, it's wearing very, <laughs> it's, yeah, very, very thin at this point. But uh, uh, this is something that caught my eye. Just as he brought the tip of the iron against the final thread of raw solder, his cellular phone rang sharply. And it's like, well, that's under your control. Like that causes him to drop it and, you know, spill the, uh, you know, the solder right. hits his face or whatever. Like, well, turn down your cell phone ring or switch it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, don't have it ring sharply if it's going to alarm you while you're doing these uh, physical tasks that cause you harm. And he, he almost swallows his pen light and he's like, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, was it set to one just, of those tones that like the CIA, CIA used to like interrogate prisoners or something? Is it right, a, just like, Turn it down. I saw Marimba's. Yeah, it's vaguely annoying, but you don't. <laughs> Jabba, it is your cellular phone, man. It, it is comical to uh, to have that used every single time. I mean, you could switch over to a Sky Pager. Yeah. I hear very good things about those. I can get you a good rental deal. You bring in three of your friends, and I'll uh, you know I'll slash half off your cost for the month. That's uh, uh, anyway. you put that baby on your braided belt. You're gonna look fantastic, pal. I'm telling you. <laughs> Old Gil needs this. 
Um, but I think that's the uh, that that's how that chapter ends. Uh, Seventy nine. Um, yep. They go into Node three, right? Yes, yes. And uh, they uh, there was a uh, uh, the beeper goes off again. Uh, there was a long guttural cry from the darkness. A thundering finger figure loomed. A Mack truck bearing down with no headlights. An instant later, there was a collision, and Stradmore was sl- skidding across the floor. It was Hale. The pager had given them away. <laughs> the, <laughs> so they, the sky pager? Yes, or? I think so. Okay. Uh. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was an homage to uh, Dr. Dre's line in Nothing But a G-Thing, where he says, I damn near got caught because my beeper kept beeping. So I think oh, the, well, sure. I have Dan, that note. I Dan have that Brown is, right <laughs> is clearly tapped into the youth culture based on his... Uh, <laughs> 17 sophisticates and uh, punks, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he was aware of that. <laughs> uh, I love that Dan Brown thinks that, so a figure runs at them, so they're going for this guy, that happens, and then he does the uh, hard return, you know, the, the carriage return, and it was hail. Yes, right. Like, yeah. There are four, four, four people in this book, so. Yes, that does not give, that does not carry any uh, dramatic weight when you do that. Just, uh, we know that it's hail. Okay. I've got a, uh, I've got a quiz for you. Oh, I'm so excited. Brief one. It's a brief quiz. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, uh, I've got two lines. I want you to say whether it's uh, Dan Brown or Leo, Leo Tolstoy. Okay. We can o- we can know only that we know nothing, and that is the highest degree of human wisdom. Okay. Do, can I hear both before I answer? Uh, just just pick what you think that one is. Uh, well, I'm going to say Tolstoy. Okay. Yeah, that was um, from War and Peace. Um, so this one could either be Dan Brown or Leo Tolstoy. Oh, they could both be. Okay. Yeah, good. So We're playing both fanfic, like fanfic rules. Yeah. Okay. My balls are killing me, Hale panted in her ear. <laughs> so, I, I am Leo Tolstoy or <laughs> I I had the whole the whole thing written down about his odor and then his balls and I said, "Well, I don't know if it gets any better than this." <laughs> panted in her ear. That really sealed the deal for me. It was Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, so he's already been, we've referred to as cologne and sweat, which smells like um, uh, regular fire, electrical fire. Uh, air ionizer uh, on the fridge. Yeah, malfunctioning ionizers. Uh, I don't, was there any other comparisons? All right, well, anyway, and but it turns out to be his cologne and sweat. So uh, that one you just read <laughs> right before it, an instant later, Hale's odor welled up behind her. God. <laughs> it's so like, it's like the it's pig pens. Yeah, uh, stink dirt. lines. Yeah. yeah. Stimpy uh Stimpy's son the farts are like is anthropomorphized yes. as this uh wow. <laughs> that is Hale. <laughs> the ex Marine. Yeah. Well that uh, I think I think that comes up. That's all I have for this one. But we get some we get some great details about Marines in chapter eighty. Yep. All right. I got nothing else. Let's go to 80. Final chapter. Final chapter, people. (laughs) Connor and I will stop saying words soon. Uh, This is is a very long chapter uh, in the scheme of this Super long. Yeah. And uh, it just mostly delves into the, like I said, he said, he said between these two of like, Hale says that Chartrukian was killed by Strathmore. Strathmore says you're crazy. 
they say like you know i'm the good guy no i'm the good guy and 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 our hero susan is in the middle not knowing what to believe yeah but, that's the that's the plot yeah they have they have dialogue such as that is uh again you you could you could guess who wrote this but it's like uh fuck you a witty defense you're a fool and those are all on separate lines so that's um that's the caliber of of dialogue we're dealing with i uh i noted uh one of our favorite things that well one of my favorite things that i think that i showed you that you now are aware of there's a bunch of dialogue that it just reminded me of the famous moment in witness the screaming oh. <laughs> moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> because there's nothing but exclamation points and it's him yelling like it's true damn it i've been down to the sub levels the ox power isn't pulling it up free on you pull it free on uh like wait just what are you yelling about marine yeah Yeah, calm-headed marine is that that's real the ox power isn't pulling enough free on (laughs) yes that's that's their dialogue here yeah i mean i'm just looking further down on here and i have two different things where there are at least four consecutive sentences that end in exclamation marks oh so bad um i like this so we we get some little, little not first person but sort of hale's perspective but so after all this has happened, it's been the most intense, like, four hours they've been here. Uh, someone has died. People have been kneed in the balls. There's been shots fired. Uh, or maybe not, but threatened like that. Kneed in the, in the balls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're killing him. He panted. No. Are you talking about the soft oh, sack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird that he referred to them that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we got this. Uh, so after all this, Hale felt his blood pressure skyrocket. Yes. He thought, <laughs> he thought he'd covered his tracks. He had no idea. Susan knew what he'd done. It was no wonder she wasn't buying a word. He said, Hale felt the walls start to close in. All right. His blood pressure has skyrocketed and the walls have closed in. Neither of those are starting to happen. Uh, you know, two thirds of the way into the book like we're, we currently are. Ugh. Uh, just a technical question. And maybe there are, I'm, I'm assuming we have uh, medical doctors out there physicians nurse practitioners etc do you feel your own blood pressure rising that was another question i had okay like you know like I mean, david you... blaine he can probably like control his you know heartbeat just by thinking about it right like that's how he you know sat yeah, in ice for, you know but yeah feeling it skyrocket is a right, weird way a... to put your heart beating faster right if you're a, a swami or whatever and i i've done um biofeedback i can i can control certain aspects but I, I don't think that i ever like physically felt it you have to have the but anyway that's an incredible power i, I give it to <laughs> yes, him for that right yeah i mean he should uh he should let strathmore know about that because i bet hale doesn't want to spend his uh retirement in a wheelchair either so that could be a good way to you know reduce mm, hypertension know, maybe, yeah. maybe that is on his checklist <laughs> i do would. want to <laughs> It's very convenient. It's like a tiny Tim. He wore uh, adult diapers because it was more convenient, not yes. because he needed them. Great. That is a <laughs> we were going to wedge that in in the final uh, <laughs> final ten minutes. Great mental leverage for everyone to go into the weekend with. Hey, look! It's been six hours, people. <laughs> um, and I, I wish that was the first time adult diapers had come up in this six hours. So everyone can look forward to that. We had a couple of adult uh, diapers, I think. Came in. up in the movie. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Yes. This is good. Uh, Strathmore seemed doubtful. You got into my office? No, I snooped you from node three. Hale forced a self-assured chuckle. He knew he'd need all the negotiating skills he'd learned in the Marines to get out of crypto alive. 
It's just, it's just nothing they don't really touch on in like Full Metal Jacket. Uh, you know, they they do the marching. They do the you know, this is my rifle, this is my gun. They don't have like the uh, so when you're going in to buy a used Subaru, they're gonna try to push the undercoating on you. But what you've got to do is uh, you know negotiate the APR down and tell them you don't want any of these extra features. <laughs> They're going to do this thing where they pretend that they have to go run it by their managers and then they go drink coffee and back and tell uh, dirty jokes to each other. During that time, you got to hold firm. To sir, your- yes, sir. I will hold firm. I will walk out if they do not. I don't believe you, private. Uh, what was the other motto from the earlier from eight and a half hours ago? Uh, man, it was uh, divide and conquer. Uh, let your enemies. I don't know. Yes, yes. It was. Anyway. Uh, divide and conquer mentality of an ex-marine. Invent lies. Pit your enemies against each other. <laughs> Invent lies. <laughs> Famous Marine Corps motto. Yes, indeed. Uh, he also pulls this line, and uh, I don't think we, we have a sort of blanket warning of uh, of language here, but uh, earmuffs on the kids mm-hmm. because there might be kids in your house. Uh, this is the cool headed ex-marine nsa employee bullshit you got a bigger hard on for her than you do for digital fortress i know you you won't risk it (laughs) yeah all exclamation part marks yep we're still in witness yelling level (laughs) bullshit and then his Uh, response to that strathmore to that is to say to you know the this wild accusation that he's this you know his protege this woman he sees as a daughter being told he has a huge, you know, boner for her is to say, young man, <laughs> you don't know me, which is, uh, you know, just that, that would my like parents aunt, my grandparents, their side of the family, they would they would whip out the young man's uh, when you were misbehaving. And that it was always uh, it, it was always made me feel awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a step, I think, maybe a step below, like using your middle name, the middle name yep, uh-huh. to upgrade. Yeah, that's that was always rough. So, yeah, I wish sort of Hale had sort of like, you know, started laughing, you know, unable to hold it. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I just, young man, that's, I, I just wasn't expecting uh, in the middle of this murderous situation to, to have that happen. That's, I, I hand it to you. You, you. you caught me off guard as an, as an ex-Marine here. Or he should have done the, uh, you know, spilled his martini and the, the monocle drop. I'm a young man. <laughs> I can't believe you would level such an accusation against me. <laughs> Uh, but Hale also does sort of the uh, this the James Bond villain, and these are all exclamation marks as well. You'll never do it. I'll talk. I'll ruin your plan. You're only hours away from your dream. Controlling all the data in the world. No more translator. No more limits. Just free information. It's a chance of a lifetime. You wouldn't let it slip by. <laughs> so he is laying out his plan for him. Uh, which is yeah, I guess I said James Bond villain, but that's a uh, that that's a, a new innovation is telling the villain what his plan is. Um, so I, I I hand it to him there. I think that would be another moment where he should probably grip his own shoulders and tell himself to settle down. Too <laughs> after that many explanation points in a row, it like was, I can feel your blood pressure rising from right, here. Yes, exactly. It was one, two, three, four, five. And then there were two sentences without exclamation marks. Then there were two more with exclamation marks. <laughs> That's incredible. He also does, um, he starts ladling on the stuttering and repeating words with M dashes between them uh-huh. or N dashes, depending, uh, which I noticed was like a new 
Dan Brown innovation. Oh, they just popped uh, up uh, halfway through the book. But, and then M dash, but what about Susan? And then later, uh, Hale began to torque Susan's neck. Wow. I, uh, I'll kill her. I swear it. <laughs> wow. I wonder why he didn't use one of those for calm mander. Exactly. So the, if you look, uh, I don't know if you have the book in front of you. Yeah. You can just sort of scan the M dashes go a little nuts here <laughs> in this chapter. And I just noticed it's a first. Yeah. There are, uh, he uses some of the, uh, what's it called? Four period ellipses. I just turned to the last, last page of chapter 80 and there's, uh, there's two of those in one, uh, in one paragraph. Uh, what don't those get auto corrected away i don't know if he'd have a gun <laughs> dot 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 hail oh. set susan free dot dot oh wait no yeah he uses one forward one three uh, two, uh one line apart from each other weird uh, bizarre he's the ee e. cummings of uh he's using innovative uh you know punctuation here <laughs> Oh, well, I think that uh, they sort of have this argument about like, you know, Hale says, I'll kill her. Uh, Strathmore says, you don't have the balls. I mean, no pun intended. And then Mm -hmm. they they go back and forth about that for probably four pages. And then Strathmore finally gets on the phone and calls what I imagine is, again, heavy air quotes, security, and uh, tells them they can barge in. And uh, that he says, Greg Hale killed one of my junior cissecs. He's holding my senior cryptographer hostage. You're cleared to use tear gas on all of us if necessary. To which I imagine Susan was like, what? Come on. Excuse me? Yeah. At least least use something responsible like Pepper Guard. Uh, Hale stood. This is the end of. uh, So this is our final words, everyone. I swear we're done until we do. Hale stood motionless, apparently limp in disbelief. His grip on Susan ceased. Strathmore snapped his phone shut and shoved it back into his belt. <laughs> wow, he did have the braided belt clip. Boss move. <laughs> Your move, Greg, is the final. <laughs> Again, the Greg takes away the power. Yes, very much. Wow. Yeah, but that was... uh, yeah, snapping the phone shut and uh, shoving it back into his belt. Doing like, a, you know, uh, the British office kind of thing. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a real bold power move. <laughs> yeah, the uh the, the flip phone had a you know what six month window where it could be uh snapped shut effectively as a uh, as a power move. And- yeah. Like why not uh, lean forward and uh, peel off your wire rim glasses like a lawyer from a fifties movie or something. <laughs> nice move. Wow. Well that's uh that's you know, again, a lot of words and a lot of dumb words, I think, more importantly. So many dumb words. But only a few of them can be the dumb sentence of the week. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter... So we have one from Heather off the bat. Uh, Strathmore-eyed, the panicked Susan Fletcher. And she just said, people need to remember that using a full name doesn't impart gravitas when sports announcers say the National Football League while doing color commentary. It doesn't make what they're saying any more important. Mm, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> that's uh, that's you enjoy the the National Football League. Yeah, um, I think yeah. when people say the whole thing, well, like NASCAR, when they just say it all out loud. <laughs> um, this is from Josh. You're trusting feminine intuition over Java's advanced degrees in anti-invasive programming, and he just questioned: there are advanced degrees plural in anti-invasive programming. Um, well, this one is from Janelle. It's the, the one that was not Tolstoy. My balls are killing me. Hail panted in her ear. <laughs> Cons. I figured that would get a lot of play. Yes, yeah. 
Khan submitted uh, another one that we we touched on. The profanity seemed inappropriate coming from her lips, like sewage flowing from a polished decanter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Andrew and Mike both submitted. It was official, Jabba thought. Midge was in one of her moods. Um, Alex submitted. He lifted the glittering Beretta semi-automatic and aimed steadily at the slightly open door. He says, uh, not that dumb on his own, except that the slightly open door was described two sentences ago as the closed office door. Right. <laughs> so that was also, I believe, the door that was pulled closed and then propped, uh, propped shut with the, with the chair. Oh, uh, that could have been it. That's all explained now. Because we know that when you pull a door shut and then prop the chair in front of it, too. It pushes it back open. It pushes it slightly open. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a great... Uh, sir, the chair just pushed the door open, you know, five minutes of that. And I, would, I wonder if they've enacted that on the dark web. Uh, leave it. Uh, just leave it. I, I did that on purpose. Yeah. they now hear sit down. From the hallway through the open door, they hear someone silently making Guatemalan Java. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tom submitted he knew all he he knew he need all the negotiating skills he learned the Marines to get out of crypto alive. Okay. <laughs> uh, Curtis submitted Susan dug the toe of her Ferragamo into the floor and pushed harder. <laughs> this is like a greatest hit. It is. Yeah, this is full of them. Uh, Yanni submitted where in the vast American expanse is this mysterious North Dakota hiding? Uh, he, he said that to my daughter during her home school geography lesson. Uh <laughs> Jacob submitted, Susan couldn't believe his, well, Susan couldn't believe Hale's strength. And he, he, as commentary, he submitted, he's a tall, muscular ex-Marine who unintentionally killed someone with Taekwondo. How are you not understanding his level of strength, Susan? <laughs> uh, it's just that my pubic bone hurt. No, pubis? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's just very it sore. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm focusing on it. I can feel it getting sore. Uh, Christina submitted, first he needed to make a long overdue trip to a restroom. Nah. <laughs> uh, Carrie submitted. He knew he'd need all well, the negotiating skills. I didn't combine those two. Uh, Justin submitted. Oh shit, Midge. Jabba apologized. He said. <laughs> <laughs> he said. In my experience, in my experience, people are reluctant to accept this form of apology. <laughs> Taylor. Oh, we forgot to do this one during real time. But uh, this is something that uh, during that final chapter, Strathmore said to Hale. How do you know about my back door? <laughs> oh, wow. Which I, you know, double underlined. But yeah, we guess we missed that one. George submitted uh, Hale saying, I snooped you from node three. And we really haven't touched on snoop as a verb in this one. But uh, it, it it has bothered me every time they've said it because no one has ever used that. Ear. You're going to snoop him as in, you know, spy, hack, that type of thing. But yeah. The one book that... That, uh, that seems extremely archaic or something. Yeah. It was Snoop's time to shine in this book, and it, it never... He, he he tried to make Snoop a thing, and it, it never caught on. Um, let's see what I've got. I think we have something that didn't get covered. I do. I have two, so nice. I figured one of them would be covered, So okay. and it wasn't. All right. What do you got? Uh, again, I'm, I'm going to cheat, but it's, you know, executive privilege. Two sentences. Hale forced a cocky sneer. One of the problems of hiring the best commander, M Dash, sometimes they're better than you. <laughs> and then, um, dang, I didn't put who said this, but I think it's got to be the commander. You're both, no, it's, I'm sorry, it's got to be Hale. Sorry, sorry. Okay. You're both so full of shit, comma, it's incredible. <laughs> So. <laughs> it's incredible that that polished decanter hasn't overflowed with the sewage. It's so full. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Incredible. So those, wow. are, those are just the dumb sentences that got through, you know, yeah, that right. made it through the maze. It survived. Yeah, I had one. I don't even remember what the context is. Oh, it was in the very first chapter we reviewed, but uh, it, my mine was, damn it, Midge, Jabba exploded. <laughs> it just, you know, it's just good. On, it just sort of stands alone. <laughs> damn it, Midge, hard stop, Jabba Jump. exploded. <laughs> Kaboom. Yeah. Tadpole parts and pig noses everywhere, all over the <laughs> yeah, wall. Yeah. The calzone is like fully. He ate it whole, like a shark in a license plate. Like, how did he even do <laughs> that? Uh, all right. Well, we have a couple short emails to to end this uh, marathon day on. We ain't going to the party. We ain't going to the game. We ain't going to the dinner. Ain't gonna cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. All right. So this first one is from Josh. Uh, he wrote in. It's been established that Ensai Taika... Ensai Ensai... It's been <laughs> oh, est- you're doing my thing. I, I, that's the one I can't pronounce. <laughs> it's been established... Well, for the purpose of this email, I need to pronounce it a certain way. It's been established that Ensai Tankado is a very fakey name. And Tankado was formed as an anagram of N Dakota. So what are the chances that Ensai is just a barely altered form of NSA? Oh, yes, yes. So I was... I, I, I gave like three seconds of thinking about the... Uh, rearranging those letters but i never did the uh yeah just yeah. say it in your head yeah <sighs> i didn't didn't click for me so that is if that's the case yeah. it's very frustrating yeah um i don't know if that's going to bear on the book at all if the characters are going to realize that or if it's just a dan brown winky thing but either way it sucks this is from zach zach is a patreon supporter i think josh is too uh the term dwarf like uh that was in the last episode the dwarf like bartender the one who could not believe he was going to drink cranberry juice alone, just yes, reminding he, our he listeners. Yes, he wept. He rendered his garment when he was asked and to. And so in thing. order to make up for it, he gave him some vodka in his drink, which yes. is the only way he would accept a person drinking cranberry juice alone. Yeah, it must be a Seville thing. We wouldn't It's understand. a Spanish thing. Don't question yeah. But he said the term dwarf, dwarf-like, instead of just saying dwarf, was so mind-boggling that I decided to do a search for dash-like and see how many times Dan Brown made up his own adjectives instead of using words that make sense. Here is the list. Ready for this? I think there yeah. are eight of them. Vault-like, rocket-like, ghost-like, dwarf-like, putty-like, closet-like, <laughs> <laughs> and rock-like. I don't know what uh, rock like applied wow. to, but closet like has to be the champion of that list. What right. could he be what? describing that isn't a closet that would what be closet like? like? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean, I guess you could have a closet like referring... bedroom if it was super tiny and depressing. Yeah, an office that if you were, I once had an office in the uh, closet that was like the telecom link closet, so it was slightly larger than a than a regular closet but it was a closet sure yeah but no one would yeah you wouldn't say you're yeah I, I think that you would still describe that as a closet more than the uh yes. closet like office i don't know yes because it actually was a closet so yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so zach says i will now make up my own adjective brown like when an author adds like to a noun because he or she is too lazy to actually describe that noun nice and then we uh we get this uh um this one from blake it's not just that this book is dumb on every page. It's just that it's layers of dumb. Like we've all written off the tech gibberish early on and the NSA has high-tech Silicon Valley campus and spy camps everywhere except where they'd be most useful. You could sort of understand how someone might think these things. 
But now we have Midge blackmailing her way into the director's office with footage of an illicit affair because intelligence agencies wouldn't be highly sensitive to the possibility of compromised employees, and she can easily broadcast it all over the building. For any ordinary author, that would be dumb. Not our man Dan. He has to make the sexy footage done dumb, too. When you're having a quickie with the lunch lady, do you really cover her with honey? Does it make any sense to do something that would require an extensive cleanup change of clothes in the cafeteria pantry? Everyone in this book is in this dumb book is a dumb prop to something even more dumb. It makes Charles E. Harris look well-researched and thoughtful. And yeah, I mean, those characters were, we, we mock them for being the same person, but at least they weren't super dumb. <laughs> Well, look, let's not rewrite history here. Yeah, sure, mean, all right. Yeah, we don't need, to, <laughs> don't need to give them excessive credit. but uh. No, I, I agree with the sentiment, though. And, and let's be clear here about, um, what was her name? What, who's the, the honey recipient? Uh, um, Carmen, Carmen Huerta. Carmen Huerta. He was rubbing honey on her small breasts. Yes, I don't yes. Want, don't Threw want that detail in for, for some reason. Uh, but he was fantasizing about marmalade. marmalade. No, she said, I think she said, oh yeah, maybe you can, she, I think Midge said you can get back to fantasizing about marmalade. Oh, so either- but he was at, well, he was checking figures. He, I think there either oh, was a was. third okay. substance. Okay. No, maybe was, marmalade was definitely one of them. Okay. So anyway, maybe he's is- e- either Midge misinterpreted the footage on the security cam and thought he was holding a jar of marmalade or oh, okay. he she was, didn't- yeah, he was thinking about <laughs> stepping it up for the next time, like honey's played out or it was a mess to, to, to clean up. So maybe I'll try, try Paddington's favorite uh, condiment. Am I, am I seeing uh, strips of uh, citrus peel in the things you're smearing <laughs> on? No, the footage is, look, it's only yeah. 420p, uh, <laughs> so it's not very clear, but it's, no, it's honey. Like, all, right, all right, fine. All right. But if I, if I Sorry, see it, I'm going to know. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Hachi machi. Well, that, I think that does it for us and the emails. Um, thanks again to everyone who wrote in, um, Patreon people especially, patreon.com slash 372 pages. I think for next week we're going to read through chapter 100. And, ah! uh, and after that, there's only uh, there's only two more of these uh, of this book to do. Uh, no, I mean, there's only two more total. So after chapter 100, we'll move on oh. to the final final okay. episode and we'll all the twists will be uncovered um hopefully some e- more weird food stuff we'll see I, I will just say people look do you would you rather hear us do shadow moon that's right so read <laughs> to the end of this thing and yeah. behave yeah really i don't want to hear any back sass from you people <laughs> i think people have been having a good time with this one but yeah i think everyone's ready for uh for to, to move on to uh to something less uh less less page turny maybe <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I think, you know, we the, hopefully there's the way that they finish off the plot will include a little more odd foods yes. and uh, weird obsessions and we'll we'll pull at those threads and we'll ignore all the other stuff. Yeah, so we're we, we're getting to Stone Manor. They're going to be fooling around. So whatever they eat there is, you know, that's what I have my that's the light at the end of the tunnel for me. That's what I'm anticipating. I so are you picturing like a James Bond ending of yes, uh, you I guess know, so, yeah. Susan, Susan, <laughs> are you at Stone Manor? Yeah. That's probably going to be what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, right. everyone. Thank you. Uh, Mike and Connor are going to stop talking on microphones, probably join a monastery and just be silent for about seven months. Oh, man, um, that would be wonderful. <laughs> but I'm afraid Zoom calls and tomorrow we'll be on it again for some other reason. But uh, you don't have to do that. You can uh, relax. And we thank you for joining us. This is 372 Pages. We'll never get back.